Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Resties, a video game podcast about the... Oh no, I forgot to put a new tagline. I forgot to put a new tagline. We're not using last week any of the ones that we came up with last week, so maybe we'll just leave this one blank. I think, you know, it's a feeling. You know, we can't put it into words so much as you can just feel... Feel it. What do you think about ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving the Resties? I like that. I don't think we're going to get sued at all. And I like, I think, um, uh, break me off a piece that Resties podcast. Yep. What's your name? Hey, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frustick. Welcome to the Resties. Uh, today we are talking about a whole bunch of great stuff. There are so many great video games out right now that you will wonder why we spent 30 seconds riffing on slogans from famous fast food and snack chains. We have Forza Horizon 5. We have Writer's Republic. And that's just the first half. After that, We've got PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X. Uh, we're looking at them on their first birthdays. How did they do for the first year? Did anybody actually manage to buy one? These are the questions we'll answer. And so are more. they walking yet? Are they? Oh, mm, I hope not. That would be... <laughs> I guess, no, that would be good. That would be about right on track. Um, and, and as always, we'll talk about what else we've been playing. Uh, and at the end of the show, we'll share our recommendations of the week. So just to start, Forza Horizon 5 and Riders Republic, they are both open world racing games. Forza Horizon 5 is focused on automobiles, if you will. While Riders Republic is more, well, I would say natural, except for there's a jet pack in it, which I, I can't imagine is good Pe- for the environment. People- it's it's more people powered. Yes, it's extreme sports based. Yeah. Um and we will be talking about both of them. We're going to compare and contrast like this is some sort of SAT uh, uh essay but more fun right after this. Okay. So fresh. This is this is my week. You know, it, do you feel very, that? Do you I feel very like much it's my is. week. Yeah, it should be noted you've also had you also had the rise. Uh, what is it? Tales of Rise weeks. So you've you've been a little birthday boy uh, for a while now. But I will say, even though I went into this week knowing what the assignments were, a little hesitant. I actually came out of it quite enjoying myself. So we're going to get really? into it. Okay. But. So which, which one did you enjoy the most? Oh, that is a good question. Um, okay. I mean, we're I, this is yeah. encouraging already. I thought you would have an immediate answer, and then I would be okay. Left so to I'll, I'll like... say where I'm leaning towards, just mm-hmm. as a starting point. 
but I, I do think it's actually closer than you might imagine. The game that I enjoy most is probably Forza Horizon 5. Okay. But I actually enjoy the minute-to-minute gameplay of Riders Republic more, but there are things that Forza does much, much, much better than Riders Republic, even though they are, like, bizarrely the same game. Like, the whole trappings of both games is there's this, like, goofy, like, party in the desert or party in the mountains and everyone's like rocking and roll. It's like uh, whatever, Burning Man, but everyone loves their vehicles and they all gather together to do a variety of races and stunts in the middle of nowhere in like an open world setting. Both games have that as their trapping. So it's very bizarre to go back and forth. Yeah, well, let's let's start with Writer's Republic then because I do agree that it has a bit more flaws and then we can kind of like compare that to Forza Horizon, how it, I think it kind of remedies some of the issues with Riders Republic. And then maybe by the time we get to Forza Horizon, I'll be able to say it like you do, which is the proper Italian pronunciation. Oh, I, I hope that you reach that, uh, that peak one day. Yeah, Riders maybe. Republic, for people who don't know, uh, which might be more people because uh, I, this is the sequel to a game called Steep that I loved. And that is it the sequel played? I mean, it's not. A, it's a spiritual sequel. Sure. So Steep was open world. You could go wherever you want, and you could uh, change through all these different winter sports. Uh, you were on a whole bunch of mountains. Here, you are in a recreation of uh, over a half dozen national parks in the United States. So there are mountains. There are, like you said, kind of like desert areas. Um, and you can mountain bike, you can road bike. Yeah, there are more things than biking. Um, y- you uh, can, what is it, wingsuit? There's um, a wingsuit. There's you, a you can still pack. ski and snowboard. Ski, snowboard, yeah, yep. Jetpack, all, all of these different things. And it's kind of a mishmash of steep. And then a game that I think a lot of people have probably forgotten called The Crew 2, which <laughs> is a racing game that let you change vehicles whenever you wanted. Oh, yeah. So in this game, you could be a jetpack and then change into Animorph style uh, a, a person on a road bike and then just hit the pavement going like 150 miles per hour. It uh, doesn't always end well for you. So there's a lot of room for playfulness, which they incorporate in the game at its best. The game is great when the playfulness is coming from the actual experience of play. Yeah. It is very bad when it is um kind when it's trying to kind of like conjure playfulness from what it thinks extreme sports are in 2021. Yeah, so let's let's talk about just to to start at the positive. Let's talk about like a, an example of a mission or whatever a race that you think sure. matches that really well. Yeah, so for like for me, with the multi sports races are my favorite. So that'll be like you against you know a dozen or so uh, AI characters that I think similar to Forza are based off of. Uh, like friends on your list friends on your list and how they play asynchronously so you'll be going down you'll start at the top of a mountain and you'll be skiing all the way down and then you'll get to the bottom of the mountain there's no more snow and you'll jump off some ramp and while you're mid sky you will change into an off-road biker so then you'll be biking through the forest uh down into the valley and then when you get into the valley, you uh, hit another ramp, and then it, to get back up the mountain, you turn into a jet suit, and suddenly you are just zipping around 
this landscape. And it's all close to seamless. There's like a kind of like a half a second goof whenever you switch things. So it doesn't feel like exactly like, uh, oh, your propulsion from one is going to the next. Yeah. Um, but, you know, considering the magic of being able to do this in the first place, uh, pretty excusable. Yeah, that, it's pretty good. Yeah, that works for me really well. I, I'm curious for you, did you try any of the um, like 40-person races yep. or however many people? Yep, I did. It's so the I don't know if it's always this number, but the one that I did was 60 people at once. It's like online, so they're all real players. It kind of reminds me of playing um, Fall Guys or something like that, where you just have 60 people jammed into a very small snowboarding track. And everyone's sort of bouncing around. So that was like goofy. I got, no joke, 58th place wow. in a race of 60 people. Like you would think, and I and genuinely tried, and I don't think I screwed up that much. And it made me think like, is it using, or like do all these people have better gear than me? Or am I just like that terrible? Or I don't understand how the game works. Even though I got 58th place, I still had a lot of fun. Like it was goofy to see everyone like bouncing around i mean i'm not that competitive in that sort of situation so it's fine i don't mind losing i didn't have an urge to ever do that again but it was kind of a fun like jump into something wacky and i think that matches what you were talking about with the spirit of the game like feeling wacky um and there were other like things too where you know just just the things you unlock, like, by exploring the world, you get, like, half of a wing of a plane that you can then use a, a jetpack. Or I think, uh, you know, there's, like, rocket skis you can unlock or skis made of, like, wooden sticks. Um, so, like, that goofiness I'm really into. Uh, I think it's now time to talk about the thing that was, like, the biggest turnoff for me is they paired that with, and you kind of alluded to this earlier with i can only describe this as you know how in like gta or saints row there'll be those side missions where you're given like a a mission by someone that's like clearly meant to be a douchebag like not a cool person like an idiot yeah they this game is filled with characters like that like everyone you like that talks to you is exactly like that but they are presented as like lovable rapscallions that are like funny and like having a good time when they say like yo let's listen to some toonskis brah and that is like every single character that you meet in the game and most of those interactions are not skippable and it they are just like just let me go back to the races y'all it shouldn't be there so whoever i'm sorry but like whoever decided to inject narrative into this game really needs to go back to the drawing board because it is painful. It, yeah, and it's not even that the choice to put narrative in it is inherently bad. No, no, it's you can do that well. Slang, I think Forza does it well, actually. Yeah, it, the slang here is, I I, I truly don't know what happened. It, it, it's honestly hard for me. At first I was like, oh, wow, they must have had somebody much older than even us write this. Yeah. Like, some of the slang they're using... Early on, they referred to something as brand spanking new, which was outdated when brand spanking new Doug appeared on Disney's One Saturday Morning when I was like a kid. So I, 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 I don't know who, who comes up with that. 
And then my like, there's part of me that wonders, you know, Ubisoft games are made around the world, right? Like that there's True. people making it in Montreal and there are people making it in, I don't know, uh, Prague or, or wherever else. And I, I wonder if it was made by somebody who isn't from the United States or even like North America and they were Googling terms or like, yeah, there have been times where like, there's been like a, a French based development studio and they've tried to recreate American culture. Uh, Heavy rain is the example that I always think not, not a Ubisoft game, but like that is a good example of like, clearly something is not quite right about this version of Philadelphia and this game kind of reeks of that. It also reeks, the, the writing reeks of just like, you know, they talk about first thought and how you should avoid just using the first thought. Every line in this game is like the first thought you would come up with for like, how are we going to set up this mission? Uh, just something totally half-assed and lazy. And let's move on to the next thing because we have a ton of dialogue to get through. And that's just like this, the entire spirit of the game. Yeah. If it was skippable, I really wouldn't care, but it's not, so I care, and it, you have to listen to a lot of it. Um, you know, SSX, which I think this game has a lot of similar DNA to SSX, and I love those games, but SSX also like did a pretty good job of like not making all of the dialogue super painful. Who, who was it? DJ Atomica, that guy yeah, that would like yeah, pop yeah. on, and he was like goofy, but fine. Here it's just just now. I'd, but thankfully, you know, you have the, the gameplay to fall back on. And the gameplay is quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I just kind of have accepted the visual aesthetic of, uh, I don't know what to call it, Fortnite chic. Yeah. It's like, oh, get it? You're dressed up as a mascot, but you're on skis. Can you believe it? A, a, a T-Rex skiing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I guess I can. Um, I, I do want to take issue with that specific thing. And this is a, a big time Ubisoft thing that they have really have a terrible reputation for. Whether you like the mascot stuff or not, um, it should be noted that like all of the relatively normal customization stuff. So like you're wearing a shirt and, well, you know, snowboarding pants and stuff like that. You can unlock just by playing the game and you earn currency and so on and so forth. Anything that's like, out there and weird like the t-rex or like the giant giraffe or whatever is all premium currency it's all premium currency and the fact that you have this game that you're charging 60 probably 70 dollars for the next gen version and the fact that you are like locking people out from accessing the more interesting visual customizations whether you're they're your taste or not is pretty gross and ubisoft has for a long time been pretty gross with microtransactions. And this is just kind of one example of it uh, where you really should at, I realize maybe not everything needs to be accessible through in game, but like you shouldn't lock all of the good stuff behind premium currency. That just isn't cool. Yes, I, I agree. I, so I think the way to enjoy this game for me is to avoid the game of it all it, it it is a big open world and uh pretty rapidly as you play you do unlock all of these different modes of transportation yeah and just going around the world uncovering what it has to offer which 
the game kind of does gamify too. And there are like um, monuments to be found and natural landmarks, stuff like that. Yeah, I had fun finding that stuff. Yeah, and and I think I think like that for me is when the game is at its best. I I guess I break a lot of video games down into uh, work games and weed games. <laughs> and I don't say like weed games like you have to smoke weed to enjoy them, uh, but they they are games that are about kind of entering a trance. Sure. Um, and I think like I I wish more games of this scale recognized when they were a weed game instead of a work game. Uh, by work game I mean you know Destiny where. Yeah. You sign on and it's like you have to do all of this stuff and we're constantly giving you things to like measure yourself by. And this is not that type of game. It shouldn't be in any way. They've created this amazing, gorgeous world that you can just speed through. And that that momentum is the pleasure of the game. And every time they get in the way of that momentum and slow things down, often quite literally with those cutscenes, that really hurts it. I think yeah. that actually can kind of help us transfer to Forza Horizon 5 which maybe threads the needle of work game and weed game better than any game in history uh, has, has done that. So Forza Horizon 5, the way this one works is uh, where Riders Republic was a lot of uh, human-propelled uh, extreme sport vehicles or devices or whatever uh, in the, uh, the national parks of the United States. Forza Horizon 5 is automobiles, uh, gas and electric powered in Mexico and uh, all across it. Uh, it is a massive, massive map, not one for one, obviously, but quite large. And it is filled with cars and trucks and, and anything that moves on the ground outside of, I guess, their motorcycles. Um, oh, yeah. Are, there aren't motorcycles in the game? You race I saw some. against them but i don't yeah. think you can drive any okay maybe a dlc yeah i don't i, I think that was how they did it in previous sports horizons too yeah. um so when I, I mentioned like this being a work and weed game what i mean by that is this game after the first i don't know two hours just lets you make it whatever you want there are so many things to do in this game. So many variants. There's an arcade mode where you can do all sorts of silly stuff. There's really intense, almost sim-style racing. There's off-road racing. You can go and collect cars. You can set off speed traps. Uh, there's just gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of stuff to do. And if it'll be anything like Forza Horizon 4, they will be adding stuff to it for years. That'll just keep going. So if you want to make this a zone-out game... It is one of the most beautiful open worlds ever created, and it will accommodate that. You can just zip around it. But if you want to make this a work game, holy moly, will it let you do that? Because every single car can be upgraded in a gajillion ways, whether that is like actually tuning it or giving it these um, XP-based upgrades, so that you could sink hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into this video game. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, I'm very selective in terms of the racing games that I get into. Usually it's just, I mean, in terms of car racing games, just Burnout. Like Burnout Paradise, Burnout Takedown, Burnout Revenge. Those were like the only racing games that I really got hardcore into. 
And I even played a little bit of Forza Horizon 4 and liked it, but there was something... I think the intro, the beginning of it was after that like first race where they show you a bunch of different cars, kind of slow for me, where yeah. I felt like I was kind of tottering around a very small area. The setting's and, the weakest of the bunch, too. Yeah. Whereas this, the setting is really quite remarkable. You, you've got like volcanoes and you've got the deserts and you've got like beaches and and uh, oasis, oasises, oasi. Jungles. <laughs> Jungles. Um, and it's uh, amazing. But also I think the pacing of it is very smart because they do, I think, give you a lot more freedom earlier on than the last game did to to go off and do whatever you want. I will say like it was a little intimidating and it took me a couple hours to like even know how I wanted to play the game. I, I remember early on, I like started a race and it was like, what car would you like to use? And I just picked the, my, the, you know, they had showed all the cars in my garage and I had like 12 of them and one of them had the biggest number. So I did that. Oh no. And, and I did the race and uh, I think it was 12 racers and I got 12th and it was not even close. And what was even more infuriating is that I could see your little drivatar in the distance just like mocking me because it was so, I, I almost got laughed. It was like that bad because I picked a <laughs> McLaren on like oh, a no. wet road in a tiny, like tight turning race. Oh no. It was just the worst possible thing. And I was like, okay, maybe I should start paying attention to like all wheel drive versus not yeah. off-road versus not maybe uh, like, you know, stuff like that. So once I sort of learned the game, it got much more approachable and enjoyable for me. Yeah. Here's my advice for people who are listening and you're like, hey, I don't normally play this sort of thing, but I think I'm going to give this a try. One, you should, um, because you can fine tune the difficulty, everything down to like actually slowing down the speed of the game uh, to make this playable. And also there is a vehicle for you in this game. So the McLaren if you're new to this, not for you. Yeah, bad. Um, but <laughs> if, if think about it, like, what would you feel comfortable driving if you were just starting? And that gets you a lot closer. So an all-wheel drive, maybe something like a, a rally car with um, that's not a drift car. It'll say if it if it focuses on drifting, anything that has good handling and uh, is going to kind of stick to the ground, because that I'm sure is what you ran into. Is that yes. when you drive the, a McLaren or a sports car, if you're not constantly like basically one, letting off the gas and then two, very, very, very delicately turning and fluttering the brake, you are. Yeah, no, I wasn't doing that. You're spun out everywhere. It's also yeah, yeah, yeah. the other tip that I have for people is, and this is kind of a weird Forza thing. So maybe you can explain why they do this. The shittier the car you like, if you pick a shitty car, so like a, tr a whatever, a Ford truck, like beater, yeah. and you bring that into a race, all the other races, racers will also use that shitty car and the races get like way easier. Um, I don't know if they do use literally the same car. Well, but so, I think they do in, try in, to in the same category, category. category. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, I mean, I, it, it, it what was good about it is that after I had that awful McLaren experience, I like dialed it back. I picked like a B rank car or a C rank car, whatever. I earned back my confidence by like totally creaming like six or seven different races in a row. 
And then I was like, okay, I think maybe I can try an A now. And I like started dipping into harder cars. And like, that was kind of a more welcoming way to do it. I do almost think that there might, there should be a little more direction for new people like that. Cause it is overwhelming to just kind of guess, but maybe if you're listening to this and you think you're going to try it, let me be your direction. Yeah, and the and the other good thing about trying this is now you can like switch your cars on the fly. You're constantly getting new cars. Oh, could you um, not do that before? I I believe you had to go. I could be wrong here, but I believe you had to go back to like wherever a event center was to change oh, them. Okay, or you had to like pay for it in like in game tickets. I I I. It's been a while since I I, I played the last one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I. I this game's on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, I would give this a download. Again, try like three or four cars and just zip around the world. You do not need to go do races. Yeah. The way that you will find out if you if you like this game, if you don't like this genre, is just by zipping around. And then once you feel comfortable with it and you're having fun just doing that, then try whichever race sounds appealing to you. A lot of the early ones are kind of designed to feel like Fast and the Furious type of stuff. So they're like easier and a bit more playful anyway. But for me, what I love about about Forza Horizon 5 and the Horizon series versus just general Forza is the way it feels. I don't know how to describe this very well. You can feel the ground underneath you. Does mm. that make sense? Like, I, yeah, I guess because you're really off road the- more. So you feel like the the shakes of the yeah and all the different textures like if i'm off-road or if i'm going through water or it's like a slick road i i always i don't know it's it's weird how i i know i'm not literally feeling it but something about it um i'm I'm blanking on the term where you like mix one uh sensation with another where like i'm seeing it but i can feel it somehow synesthesia yeah like like there's like a synesthesia happening uh where i just i really feel the ground in this game in a way that i don't in most games where i don't think that's the thing that they even care about um yeah i think i think the physics are spot on which is part of the reason you feel that way and then obviously there's rumble and and uh, visual effects as well when you're going over gravel or through water uh there's a mission where you like take a rally buggy up the side of a volcano as it's exploding and like just the like what is that called shale or whatever the like just uh crumbly rocks up the side of the volcano like feels genuinely different than just like a dirt road or a desert or something like that um and i i just like that they add narrative to to races or missions that like make me care more you know, when people fawn over Gran Turismo or even the like main Forza Motorsport series, I find them like dull as dishwater because like, you know, I'll find a car that I like and I just want to drive that. So the idea that I can like tweak the horsepower to give me six extra whatever doesn't do it for me. I need like a little more. And Horizon series is always kind of given that. Yeah, it's also just really fun to get in a very, very fancy car and just go bunny hopping across the hills, crashing yeah. into cacti. Like, yeah, feels good. Hey, are you ready for a segue? Oh, yeah. Forza Horizon 5 is the most beautiful game on the Xbox Series X to date. Uh, that's probably true. I'd, I'd say that's true. And that is why we're going to talk about 
the first year, the first birthday of Xbox and PlayStation right after this break. Okay, so do you do you want to kind of steer the ship on this one? I'm sure. I'm, I'm curious where your head's at. Well, here here we are. So we are now a year into the life cycle of both the Xbox Series X, the Xbox Series S, and the PlayStation 5. I think mostly we're going to probably be focusing on the Series X and the PlayStation 5 just because the S is sort of a different thing entirely. Also, I haven't used it, so I, I don't feel comfortable really speaking to it. Um, but I kind of wanted to just go and take a look at both of these consoles and see how they've done in their first year and whether we think they are succeeding or failing or whether one is doing something better than the other one. Um, yeah, I mean, that's more or less it. So uh, why don't we just start with the most obvious area, and that's games. Uh, what, Which of these two consoles seems to be having the better game experience so, in terms of releases? I, I think, like, Sony seems like the obvious answer, right? Because they have exclusives. They you know, do they have, have exclusives, have yeah. A- Xbox Plank. still um, doesn't have any, correct? Uh, in terms of Series X exclusives. Well, I, I think I think uh, Flight Simulator might be exclusive. No, I'm, sure. I'm pretty sure it's not. I, I think it's on Series S as well. Oh, sure, right. but I don't think it's on the old consoles. Oh, that might be true. Um. But I, I think, like, yeah, Sony has had releases that feel, even if they aren't technically exclusives like um, Spider-Man Miles Morales, that feel but like they've had, yeah. PS5 games. And then they and, have And they have Souls, had true exclusives as well, like, uh, sorry, Returnal and yeah. uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank, as you said. True, Those were, like, true exclusives. Yeah, so th- they've had those games. That said, I... Xbox still has Game Pass, which continues mm. to just feel like a huge advantage. <laughs> and while um, while maybe Forza Horizon 5 is technically available on the other consoles, Forza Horizon 5, by every definition, looks like a next-gen game. Sure. When you're playing it on you know, an Xbox Series X. Um, Microsoft Flight Simulator certainly looks like an, uh, a next-gen experience um it, it's you know it's breathtaking that said i don't think either of those games are the traditional things people think of when they think of big ne- next generation entertainment right they yeah. think of oh god what an awful phrase but they think of you know big properties they think of god of war they think of halo infinite which you know is about to come out but because of that early preview a year ago i think now kind of doesn't have the cachet of being a next-gen game um i mean and it's also multi-platform like it is yeah and it's multi-platform uh original xbox one and and pc and everything so it seems like i think for the for, for a first year i think the playstation 5 has done a good job of having those titles that kind of make you feel like you're justifying your purchase the death loops of the world the, you know, Ratchet, the Demon Souls, uh, you know, even the PS5, you know, enhanced games like Miles Morales. It does feel like those have been there, whereas on the Xbox, for me, I treat the Xbox Series X mostly as like a PC gaming alternative. And at $500 for a very, very capable uh, gaming device, you have a lot of options here that you would probably have to spend two grand to get a comparable gaming PC. So 
I think they are serving two different um, uh, goals. Um, I think PlayStation 5 is just like a splashier option and continues to be. Like, I think you could probably play a lot of the games that are, you know, Series X games on even on Xbox One or, you know, a previous gen Xbox One or an Xbox. uh, God, all the naming is terrible. uh, Xbox One X and have a pretty close experience. Whereas on the PlayStation 5, I've played games that like are very clearly could never, ever run on a PlayStation 4. You know, the Demon's Souls remake is the biggest one for me. Like that continues to be just awe-inspiring. Returnal, also like really impressive. Um, you know, I uh, but I agree with you with Game Pass. I you know I don't think there's PlayStation is giving is offering anything that is remotely close to the value proposition that Game Pass does. Just because if you want to like stay abreast of games and don't want to spend a ton of money, Game Pass is kind of an outrageous deal. Um, and every single month there's been at least one game that was worth playing, if not multiple games that are worth playing. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's I, tricky. I I would, pr- I think because of Game Pass, if we're including it, I would probably give the the edge to Xbox. But again, Game Pass can be experienced on the last gen as well, and most of those games run great on the last gen. So I don't know. I'm I'm yeah, torn. It, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. PlayStation Five games. Yeah, I, I I um I think it's funny what Sony's actually doing though after this year. Which is here they had some exclusives for PS5. Yeah. And now they're like, no, no, it's going to come out on PS4 too. Uh, Horizon, you know, Zero Dawn 2 coming out on PS4. The new yeah. God of War coming out on PS4. I think I have to wonder if they realized, well, people are going to buy this console no matter what because there's a shortage of it. So we don't have to use the exclusivity as an incentive. And two, I mean, I know that these um, these big games are, you know, designed at a cost to help them move consoles, right? Like, sure. I don't know if all of them are big money makers, but at a certain point, like, you do need some copies to sell. And there are just so many PS4s out there and so few PS5s uh, out there that it seems like the business part of it has kind of caught up to them maybe a little bit yeah i i would say like you mentioned god of war and you mentioned um uh horizon uh, forbidden west both of those games have always been playstation 4 and playstation 5 games i'm sure they're they look a hell of a lot better and run a hell of a lot better on playstation 5 but they were never presented as like exclusives for the playstation 5 i do agree with you that they like there might have been a time where sony could have been like well actually they were now playstation 5 exclusives Sorry, that is just the bet for the best of the experience. But it does seem like Sony is leaning towards Xbox's Microsoft strategy and just like, let's open the floodgates and get as many people playing these games as possible. And maybe they'll start playing them and be like, you know, this would run a hell of a lot. Like, who knows how Horizon's going to run on a launch PS4? Probably not great. And that might uh, sell a few consoles as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wonder, uh, I mean, speaking of that, play it wherever, we're now seeing Sony put these games on PC, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. So it's like, yeah, I, I just, PC has weirdly become the place, if, especially if you're patient and you don't need to play it literally at launch, where you can kind of start to assume that everything will be there, um, either on launch date for Xbox or, you know, maybe a year and a half later. 
on uh for all the PlayStation games. I, I yeah, obviously the downside is just to the, make that the spendiness of like you know running these games on PC gets gets pricey, especially the higher end next gen games. Yeah. Um, so you know that's sort of the trade off. I like the brainlessness of console gaming insofar as like you know it's going to work. You don't need to update graphics drivers. It just works. But obviously, there's the downside of, you know, it might might not look as great. And uh, sometimes it means having to wait for those console patches to come out. Yeah, I I have a question for you. When we talked about these consoles, uh, you know, a year ago, you loved the PlayStation 5's uh, triggers. Yes. Well, haptic triggers. Yeah. Well, let's. We should check the tape. So it, I did. Oh, know. you loved them. You, you, you. Okay, were a, fine, fine, you fine. Were gaga for them. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The thing that continues to amaze me about the PlayStation Five controller and kind of makes it leaps and bounds better than the Xbox controller in this one particular way is not the triggers, but the rumble. The rumble in PlayStation Five controllers okay. is so much better, just technologically speaking. It feels more realistic, more naturalistic than the xbox controllers it made me wish actually this is a good example so i played um riders republic on playstation 5 and i played forza obviously on xbox riser republic with that rumble feels wild like it really feels you talk about feeling the road you really feel the road with that rumble i felt it on xbox as well with forza but i could tell how much better it would have been with that rumble now the triggers you're right gimmicky for sure i think developers have been very smart about using them occasionally uh in interesting and good ways but whenever there's an instance where like i think they're overusing it or it becomes a pain in the ass i just turn it off and that's fine yeah that that that's where i was getting with it i i just had immense i know you wanted to of... shove it in my face i get it it's, it's fine. i'm just saying it's i was right you know what we were both no right. no I like look bug snacks. If you take a photo in bug snacks and you like, you could feel the click of the camera. That's awesome. I want more of that. That's so I don't true. necessarily need to feel the weight of a heavy machine gun in Call of Duty, but clicking a camera to take a picture of bunker, count me in. Okay, before we wrap the the segment, what do you think people should do? Say they're they're getting into gaming right now, right? Yes. They, let's say they don't even have a console because we do have quite a few listeners who either don't have any video game console which if you're listening and that's you thank you i don't you you mystify me and i adore you um and then there are i think even more folks who have a nintendo switch but don't have anything like this would you recommend them getting a kind of like a mid-range pc a net one of these consoles so xbox series x ps5 or uh, just, you know, going out and getting an old PS4, Xbox One. Yeah. So if you have a, if you don't have anything, I would recommend a Switch. I think the Switch is like the best gateway console maybe ever. Um, the portability of it, the yeah. fact that it works also on a TV, the fact that the games are like by and large very approachable. So Switch would be my number one recommendation. Um, if you have a Switch and you feel like you want to like dip your toe into maybe more quote-unquote serious games. I don't really believe that, but like, you know what I mean? Like, hard, quote, hardcore, ugh, hardcore games makes me sick when I say it. Um, I think the solution is probably buy a, 
either a Series S if you want to save a little money or an X if you want something that's going to last for like three or four or five years. Um, buy that and you buy Game Pass. Yeah. I think that like is such an easy option but for just like, I don't want to have to think about what games I'm buying. Game Pass is going to throw me three or four or five new games a month. And I'll try some of them and some of them I'll like and some of them I won't like, but it will help you develop a taste for what you're into genre wise. And um, it lets you like check out a bunch of stuff. So that's that's like that option. PlayStation 5 is like the McLaren option, which is to say like you better know what you're buying it for. Because if you're just buying it because people really like PlayStation, like are buying PlayStation 5s, you know, I think you will have a tough time justifying it like for these first couple years while the, we wait for these releases to come out. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for Game Pass, it'd be a lot closer. I'd say it's six and one half. But because of Game Pass being an option, you know, man, yeah. it, it it really is uh, pretty good. And and Microsoft does not pay us any money to say that. It is, a you know, you'll hear that from a lot of people. It is a genuinely really good thing. And I actually makes me wonder, will that keep up? I remember when Xbox Live and games with gold launched 10 years ago, whatever it was. And it started out and the games were so good. The free games you'd get every month were just like, you know, Oh, super meat boy. And like, like, like big indies that I was really psyched about. And over time, those free games have really fallen off and PlayStation plus plus same thing. It's very hit or miss in terms of whether the free games are good. Sometimes they're great. You know, Hitman two was free uh, a, a month or two ago. That's a great game. Um, but, uh, I, it makes me wonder whether game pass will be able to keep up the pace, but certainly, you know, purchasing Bethesda is a good way to sort of guarantee that long-term. Yeah. I, I think the, the best shot it has at keeping the pace is yeah. One, it's just going to keep buying studios. So acquisitions will help with that. Yeah. Two, the indie market is just huge and yeah. in need of money. So I think they just have more options to choose from. In three, look at Netflix, right? Netflix had everything until competitors came around. Yep. And we haven't even begun to see the the start of competitors for Game Pass. And I know PlayStation has an option. It is... It is not... Not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sony has yet to kind of make, especially that big commitment to, hey, we're going to release our big games day and date. It's telling that MLB The Show... A you know long time PlayStation exclusive launched day and date on Xbox Game Pass, yeah, which is just wild. Even if you aren't into those sorts of games, so yeah, I I I agree with y'all. I agree with you on all of that. <laughs> um, I I certainly would not recommend a PC for a newcomer. Yeah, no. um, even though it has any number of advantages, it is yeah, it's just too much of a headache. Um, so I think that is it for for that. It, it's been a fine year for these consoles, but unlike anything we've ever seen before. For yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like a normal uh, year, certainly. Uh, and I don't know that it ever will. I, you know, this this kind of bridging the gap between two generations has never happened to this extent before, and uh, it's it's very bizarre. But on the bright side, it means that a lot of people that don't have the new consoles get to play new games. So people aren't cut out. Okay. 
So this is where we share our one recommendation of the week before we get into reader mail. Uh, I will keep mine brief. The French Dispatch, the new film by Wes Anderson. It is a collection of shorts um, loosely inspired by magazines like The New Yorker. Mm. Would you describe it as twee? I, oh, I mean, why certainly? I would say that's <laughs> probably it's, it's you know the first ingredient on its list of ingredients. Um, but what I really liked about it was it's about writers and editors and mm. their relationship. Um, obviously, there are the stories that are actually in in the short films, but between them uh, are these interactions between Bill Murray, who plays the editor of of this fictional magazine, and uh, all of his various writers. And I think that's where the heart of the film lies. I've seen a lot of people call the film cold, but I don't know. I really, really, really connected with it, and I thought it captured. Um, the compassion that writers have for writers and, and the passion that writers have for their careers and their subjects. And I don't feel like I see that very often in film. I think when you see reporting and journalism in film, a lot of the times it's like hard news. You know, it's um, we're going to all the president's men, we're going to break open this big story. And it's not... Um, what the majority of journalism is, which is curious people asking questions about stuff they find interesting mm -hmm. um, and sharing it with the world. And I liked that we got to see that from somebody who is just an immensely talented director. Um, how about you? What, what, have, what else have you been enjoying this week that you'd recommend? Yeah, it's, uh, I wish I wasn't, it's really tough to like watch stuff at night. Um, yeah. Just because baby, baby. Uh, so uh, we where I talked about uh, watching su Succession, which I continue to absolutely adore. But um, I do want to talk about one other game very quickly, and that game is called Unpacking. Um, it is available on Switch. It's available on PC, and it's on uh, Xbox through Game Pass as well. And uh, the premise is really just you are unpacking a bunch of cardboard boxes in a pixel art apartment. Um, and each level is basically a year in your life. So it starts and you're unpacking your like childhood bedroom, basically, and you're putting toys out and stuff like that. And as it progresses, uh, the, there's more challenges in terms of finding space for things. And like, it, it I, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but like, as an example, uh, you move in, it's not explicitly ever stated, but you move into what is effectively like a single guy's apartment. Uh, you know, there's like neon signs on the wall and like a weightlifting and a guitar that's like framed. It's like a, it's a dude apartment. And uh, it's uh, funny because there's just like no room for your stuff. So you're trying to like hang your diploma on the wall and there's nowhere to hang it so the only place you can put your diploma of all the options is like in a closet somewhere so there's like this interesting narrative that happens throughout that game that's like very subtle there's no real dialogue all you get is like a single line of like writing at the end of each level talking about like your vibe like how you're feeling when this happened and i find it very soothing the great soundtrack um that I've been listening to after I played the game, I, I've just been listening to it on Spotify. 
Uh, the soundtrack's really good for unpacking. And uh, if you get a lot of satisfaction of like just putting stuff away, and then my favorite part, throwing away cardboard boxes that are now empty. Ooh, man, that is my stuff right there. And uh, you can do a lot of that. So uh, yeah, really dig it. Uh, highly recommend unpacking. That sounds great. Uh, so we got some questions from uh, our listeners and going to go through those uh, before we wrap the show. The first one is from Lex, who asked, what games would you recommend for someone who didn't play tons of video games as a kid to learn the basic mechanics while still having fun? Uh, this game unpacking is actually really good for people that aren't necessarily like, quote unquote, gamers. Uh, so that's definitely a suggestion. If you want to, if you, I had mentioned this in a previous episode, but I'll reiterate it here. Portal 1 and Portal 2, if you ever want to like get into first person shooter games, but feel very intimidated by like all the mechanics, both of those games are like tremendous for that. So I yeah, definitely I, recommend. I also uh, think, um, I mean, you mentioned the Switch as like the perfect uh, entry space for video games. The great thing about Nintendo, Nintendo's own games, not every Switch game, yeah, uh, is that they really do work as um, step ladders into their genres. So Mario mm-hmm. Kart is a great entry point for racing games. Um, you love the Fire Emblem series, which I think is a great entry point into strategy games. Yeah, Splatoon I, I, is a very friendly and not super violent shooter. So if you want to try these different genres without, you know, jumping into the deep end, all of those games are 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 nice ways to do it. Um, this is a question from Tony. Do you think, quote, fun is the core concept of gaming, or do you sometimes sacrifice that in order for importance or artistic value? Um, yeah, uh, wow. Uh, I do think, okay, I would not call fun a core concept. I think it is a very common and important concept. I don't know if necessarily, I wouldn't say it's a required concept. I don't think every game you play needs to be fun. Every moment needs to be fun. Certainly, you know, yeah, Last of Us 2 certainly is not fun for a lot of it. Um, and I think developers certainly sacrifice what would be like a fun experience in favor of telling maybe a, a more important narrative beat. So, yeah, I would say that pleasure is a core concept of gaming and quite honestly, like all of entertainment. And that doesn't mean a thing can't be sad or mm-hmm. upsetting, right? Um, but there, there is pleasure to be had in it. So um, if you look at like the films of Michael Haneke, who made funny games, these, you know, some really uh, violent and upsetting movies, looking at his films is pleasurable, right? Um, and playing The Last of Us 2 is extremely pleasurable. Even though you're seeing all this horrific stuff, it feels very good. You want to keep playing it because it feels good and it looks beautiful. Um, and I think pleasure is the thing that the vast 99.9% of uh, art has in some form. Uh, again, it's kind of a nebulous term. I just think in video games, pleasure also happens to be fun um, because we are 
we are voluntarily stepping into a virtual world, right? So if you're yeah. if you're going to do that, you are doing it. Uh, I don't say escape like in the escapism sense, escapism sense, but you're doing it because you are wanting access to something that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get in your real life. In real life, not hard to find a lot of like sad things or like menial things or work things, but it can be hard to you know get in a car and drive anywhere you want in Mexico. Um, that is fun. Yeah, I, th- so, I think for me, yeah. if you're going to like your version of pleasure, I think is just like interest. Like it needs a game needs to be interesting in some way. It needs to yeah. keep my interest. If it's boring, whether it, not just for a game, for any piece of art, if it doesn't like spark my imagination or make me think or whatever, uh, it's a failure, uh, complete and utter failure. So that's really all I'm looking for is like something that is trying to do something some of them will be to my taste and some of them won't. Um, but at least like put yourself out there game wise and say like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to like actually take a stand and, and do or say something that's genuinely interesting. Um, so it doesn't always have to be fun. Uh, a question about, <laughs> we're staying on the, uh, the smart people stuff uh, from Cactus Girly. Is there any book book series that you would want turned into a video game? And don't think about it too hard. Hmm. Uh, man. Uh, I growing up, I I loved the Discworld series, uh, Terry Pratchett, uh, which is like a parody of fantasy novels. Uh, they've actually made Discworld games. I've not played them, um, and I've I don't think they are like stand out known as like spectacular releases. But again, I haven't played them, so I I won't speak. But I do think that world is so rich that the idea of like a Skyrim, but in that world would be pretty spectacular. Um, so that's what jumps to mind. Yeah, mine would be. Um, so there's this book called The Thousand Autumns of Jacob de Zoet, which is by David Mitchell, who did Cloud Atlas. And he actually is a co-screenwriter uh, on the upcoming Matrix movie. Mm. Um, but this book is, it seems at first like one of his more... I don't know, not plain, but um, not science fiction-y or not, you know, fantastical. It is set in the 18th century and it's uh, on this like Dutch trading, I guess, inlet or island on the coast of Japan. And it's like very, very small um, because they Japan did not allow the Dutch into the rest of Japan. It was a controlled uh, port for trade. And when I read that, I just kept coming back to the idea of how wonderful a setting this would be for a video game because it's such a unique environment. You know, it's like it, it is a place between worlds. It's not Japan. It's not Dutch. Uh, it is uh, its own little thing. And there's just immense conflict because of the skepticism on all parties and uh, each party trying to, you know, get the best of the other. And then gradually the book does introduce some of Mitchell's um, wilder ideas. Um, so yeah, that that is like a thing that I, I will never get adapted <laughs> into a video game, but I I have always kind of dreamt would be getting that treatment. Um, uh, just very quick uh, answer for us on this one uh, from Spinosaurus, Dan. Uh, what's your favorite anime? Um, it's Cowboy Bebop, which I talked about 
on a previous episode, but if you're going to hold me to pick another one, because I already talked about it, I would say Samurai Champloo, which is from the same creator of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, that era in Japan. Samurai Champloo is actually focused entirely of that era of the outside world slowly sort of having its influence affect uh, Japanese culture um, and uh, sort of the death of that era of samurai. Uh, so super, super great. Amazing music. It's awesome series. I've only begun to get into anime again in the last kind of couple of years. I guess during the pandemic, I liked it a bit in junior high. But Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin, which I, maybe I've talked about on the show, which is about a group of uh, it's three uh, young girls in high school who decide to create their own anime creation club. Like they actually draw and animate anime. It is so delightful, and even better, it's on HBO Max. Mm. So you, if you are not the type of person who has Crunchyroll just yet, or in a, any you know Funimation, anything like that, this is a good way for you to try a great series and kind of whet your appetite to the form. Um, before we move on for this, I do want to one quick mention. Uh, several resties ago, we talked about we were tr- struggling to come up with a good live action anime recreation uh in the context that we were talking about the cowboy bebop live action show that's coming to netflix um and people very rightly called out speed racer the movie is more or less the best example of uh, an anime turned live action that anyone can come up with i certainly agree with that so uh well done everyone that suggested speed racer and with that um, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, specifically, uh, I know a lot of these people called out the Resties, which we really, really appreciate. It feels great. Um, Tiny Cuffs, New York Giraffe Fan, Dwight W. Davis, Nick Colas, uh, Joss B., Abby Oaks, Red the Rose, Clay3476, The Uncool, and Bernie, S- Bernie Sports, Bernie S. Ports, something like that. Um, thank you. Uh, and thank you to everyone else who has written reviews. That was a double length one. Cause I know I forgot to name names the last time we did resties. Uh, but we really, really appreciate the reviews. Okay. So here's what we talked about this week. We spoke about Forza Horizon five, the car racing game and Riders Republic, the bike and people and snow racing game. We also spoke about the anniversaries of the Xbox series X and PlayStation five, uh, mentioning games like Demon Souls, uh, and very briefly, I guess Microsoft Flight Simulator, Ratchet and Clank, stuff like that. Uh, we also spoke about uh, the French Dispatch and unpacking, and got a few shoutouts for stuff like Portal and Nintendo games like Mario Kart. Uh, and that—that's it. I mean, we talked about our favorite anime, you know, Cowboy Bebop, keep your hands off Isaac. And, and you know, maybe I had buried uh, one bonus question here from Cuddly as a Cactus asking for my real favorite Criterion top 10. I'm not going to give that right here. That's <laughs> so many things to say, but I will say a good starting point is the Night of the Hunter and High and Low. So maybe I do have an answer. Hmm. That's it. That's it for this episode. We did it. We did it again. It's another episode it. of the Resties in the books. Uh, because uh, taglines are hard. I don't have really any way to outro this episode. Next week, which is actually two weeks, because that's the cadence, we're going to be talking about something. What is it? 
I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe Battlefield? That Maybe. Maybe. You'll just have to tune in to find out. Um, otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful week, a delightful weekend after that. And uh, the holidays are almost here, so get that uh, holiday music playing. Hanukkah comes early this year. It is a great time to be smiling. We will see you next time. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. When you hear about opioid overdoses, you probably don't realize half of the nation's overdoses happen in the exact same spot. It's happening right at home. Georgians are accidentally dying in their own homes because people don't understand the dangers of taking an Oxy or Perk for sleep, stress, or with a glass of alcohol. Learn how to protect your family from opioid overdose at opioidresponse.info. This message is brought to you by Georgia DBHDD. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gravity Cancel Podcast. I am Rox, and with me as always, Sergeant Smekex. How you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, feeling feeling rusty, man. It's been a been a I hot know. minute. What has it been like every a month? Sing- yeah, every single time that we uh, we compete in Brahalla, we we we're the O2 crew, and then we uh, take a little bit of a sabbatical. <laughs> we'll put it you know, okay, yeah, our uh, our two v two was rough. Uh, you had a kind of rough go in one v one. This was for fall championship, by the way, and uh, my one v one went pretty well. I did have like two forfeits, unfortunately, but I-, I felt like I performed well. I was happy with my performance. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it feels like anytime we compete in the uh, summer championship, fall championship, whatever, we just don't play well. I don't know what it is. I don't know. At least for me, it's not tournament nerves. It's just... No, I had to... too early in the day. I'm a night gamer. Yeah, yeah. I have to force myself to, like, wake up pretty early so, like, by the time tournament gets around, I'm ready to go. And then a a little bit of liquid courage in the form of a Voodoo Ranger helps, too. Not sponsored. Oh, true, true. Not sponsored. Hashtag not an ad. <laughs> hey, uh, well, speaking with... of tournaments, oh, uh, we oh. hosted our first tournament uh, well, about three weeks ago now. Uh, yeah. Halloween Havoc won. Uh, that implies and that we're going to have another was... one next year. but uh... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to workshop the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a, apparently an after party, a Halloween Havoc after party with a, a slightly larger prize pool. Not much, but a slightly larger prize pool. <laughs> <laughs> slightly larger. <laughs> Like three times the amount. <laughs> yeah, for those who who don't know, uh, Moose Wars also did a uh, Halloween tournament called Halloween Havoc. Now they, uh, I mean, they posted theirs like it was like two weeks before. Three. No, I think I think it was less than a week before. Uh, but they had obviously had it planned with uh, BMG, so they couldn't announce Wait. anything. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So we just happened to uh, steal their name. Yeah, yeah. But we did have a pretty good Yoinked turnout. It. We ended up having, uh, what, 23 players? 24 players? Yeah. Um, yeah. We had close to 60 sign up. Not everybody showed up, though. Yeah, you guys got to show up next time. There was, a, there was a good prize pool, but the less people that show up, the better the chance of winning. And we had Zexus taking number one spot. An absolute monstrous showing by Zexus. 6-0. and oh. Didn't drop a set. I actually just saw that they tweeted right before we started recording that they are the um, the oldest BCX uh, participant. Wait, really? Yep, he's looking for his... Uh, oh gosh, I've already ruined the joke. He said something like uh, senior pay. I've, I've ruined it. I've ruined the joke. <laughs> oldest as in like age-wise or, or player? Like he's been playing the longest. Oh, age-wise. Age-wise, age-wise yeah. He's looking for his, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know that that's how that works, but uh, keep going for it, Zexus. Uh, we had Toast for Prez coming in second, and uh, Shadow uh, OQ12 coming in in third place. Um, I was very pleased with the the participants we had. Everyone was super chill, uh, absolute homies too. Um, oh yeah, there's so many homie stocks were given. <laughs> Spyfar the Great, uh, his opponent disconnected, their opponent disconnected one time and just dropped the match. Could have could have easily taken the DQ, but uh, dropped the match and then ended up getting knocked out of bracket uh, during that match uh, when they when they did the rematch. But hey, you know they wanted to learn, they wanted to, to lose fair and square, and that's admirable. Yep, homie stocks all the way, boys. So uh, look forward to our next one. Um, we don't quite have it planned yet. I, I think uh, it probably won't be till after the new year. Uh, we definitely need uh, need some work on our end. Had a, a little bit of uh, some bumps in the road with registration and and the the, the little setup, but uh, it, nothing too bad though. No, I, we didn't have we didn't have any uh, any disputes. Nobody being jerks to each other, which I was happy about because man i was like i was not paying attention half the time and i was like i thought for sure i was gonna come back in 20 minutes before that someone would have you know filed a dispute and just rage quit the tournament yeah and one thing that i uh, uh i wasn't gonna spring it on you on the podcast i was gonna bring it up after before but uh kind of curious on how the community would view like i mean there's a lot of uh, tournaments that are held for brawlhalla there's a lot of circuits uh, so to speak, uh, how would people feel about a unique circuit, the Gravity Cancel Circuit, having something like a rotating ban list on legends or maps? You know, throw a couple, you know, free for all maps in the 1v1 just for the heck of it. You know, maybe have like a community driven vote uh, each like quote unquote season to ban certain legends. Just have it, just keeping it fresh, so that way you you can can kind of control the meta a little bit. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that after. I don't I don't like the idea of banning legends unless there's a reason, and I don't foresee a reason for that. You heard it here first, folks. He uh, hates the idea, and that's a no. That's the last time we'll ever <laughs> speak of it again. I I do like the idea of something unique for our circuit. So I, I think something like crew battles would be an excellent idea. Um, I. I like the idea of maybe not as part of like a circuit, but a one-off tournament of like a uh, a wheel of fortune style where we put a bunch of game modes on a wheel and each round is randomized. 
All right. So something like that. Um, obviously, you'd get some weird ones like, you know, Brawl Ball or, uh, or a Kung Fu or something like that. Um, and be kind of weird at 1v1. But I think it could it could be a cool uh, cool idea. I think so, too. But, unfortunately, with taking about a month off with podcasts, we, uh, <laughs> we should have move a on. lot to cover. So we need to move on. Well, speaking of uh, Halloween, uh, Bra Halloween just wrapped up. Don't want to spend too much time since you can't buy anything now if you if you missed out. Uh, but, Rox, what, uh, what did you end up buying? Uh, actually, oh... Oh, that's right. Finally, <laughs> after passing it up for two years, two years, I passed it up. I finally got the Halloween uh, Petra skin. I'm so happy for you. That rounds out I've your been, Petra collection. It does. It does. It's beautiful. It's it's the most beautiful thing I've ever laid my eyes on. I got a Other little. Other than that, just bought a couple colors. Yeah, I, I finished off some of the colors that like I missed out on last year, and then um, the the new legends that. Uh, obviously, I couldn't buy them last year uh, because they weren't out. Um, I ended up buying... Man, I went hard on the skins this year. I bought uh, the Dusk one. I bought Lucian, yep. uh, Yumiko, and Rayman. <laughs> Which, I was just like so happy that Rayman got a skin and, and it was a decent skin. So I was like, I have to buy it. I will regret not buying it. Yeah, I feel like you bought it out of spite because I wouldn't buy it. That that's that's kind of it. I'm like, if this uh, axe gauntlet main won't buy it, I'm gonna buy it so that uh, three months down the road, when you discover that you actually like Rayman, and you're like, I wish I had that Rayman skin, and then you pass it up for another <laughs> three years. <laughs> uh, other than that, all the returning skins from the previous Brawl Halloweens, um, plus Demon Rider Artemis. Which, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I like it. Uh, I haven't looked to see how well it takes colors, which I'll look at here in just a second. It doesn't really scream Halloween to me. Like, it I mean, it's doesn't. Cool, but um, I, it's a really cool skin, and it really doesn't go with any other event. I feel like it would have almost been a better just like, hey, we're releasing this skin, and you can get it anytime you want now. Or if there was like a uh, like a Baraza themed uh, Mad Max style battle pass. Because it kind of has that, like, apocalyptic yeah. biker look to yeah, it. Yeah, I get that. It it takes colors pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, way better than the, the stock colors. The stock colors are among the worst I think I've seen on a uh, skin. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that one. I like the I like the base colors a lot. I like that color palette. Like the orange and the, the brown kind of duster look. It just, it doesn't scream Halloween to me, you know? Compared oh to their other gosh. ones. Oh, gosh. Which reminds me, I saw, this is a little off topic, one of the coolest uses of a base uh, color, not base for the character, but like the blue, red, yellow, green, purple colors. Someone was using the Atlantean Ada with the yellow color scheme, and it just looks so cool in game. So I'm going to uh, have to take a look at that. Um, who, which, uh, pro, is it, is it Sandstorm that's rocking the base colors in the, in, like, the tournaments and stuff? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. He's kind of, like, he's kind of, uh, pioneered, like, screw your really, uh, cool colors. We're just gonna use base ones. You said yellow with Atlantean? Yep. That's pretty good. That's Yeah, for a base good. color? Yeah, no. I, I like it with the skin tone and, like, the oranges and the yellows. Yeah, it's good. So I'm really not liking how you're in a good mood 
uh, right now. So let's go talk about patch oh, 6.0. No. Oh no. All right. Well, let's start with a big one. Munin released uh, in patch 6.0. Uh, people have had quite a bit of time to play with her by now. Uh, Scythe and Bow Legend with a really cool aesthetic and a really horrible weapon combination. Uh, at least for you and I. Um, yeah, for us. Everyone else seemed to really. I don't, really know, love I don't it. know. I am kind of a bow main now. Yeah, yeah, but we just <laughs> we didn't need another scythe legend. We just did not need another scythe legend. Uh, hard agree on that. I've not ran into an overwhelming amount of uh, moonins though. And I have, and the ones that I have ran into haven't been good. Yeah, you know, like if I run into a Mirage or a Volkov, I know I'm probably in for a pretty rough time. But Moonin's just like most of them that I've fought have been pretty spammy, which her, her sigs are pretty strong. I will I will give her that. Oh, the signatures are the, oh my gosh, they're so good, especially on the bow. Now yeah. the the thing that does bug me is I guess it's a bug. I've not heard anybody talk about it, but like whenever you go to select Munin, it's this same yellow bow that if I'm not mistaken, isn't even in the game. Yeah, it has something to do with... Because, uh, like, the in the animation, I think, the lock-in animation, the scythe and the bow are, like, the same thing or something. I don't know. I, I really could care less. Uh, the thing that I do like about uh, Mutant coming out is it's not, like... It's not something like when Jayun came out. Oh my goodness! That's was, all you ran into. Great sword was so busted, which of course it was adding an, a, a new weapon to the game. But with Mutant, it's like, all right, they're a really good bow player, or they're a really good scythe player, or they're just a bad player, or just a decent player, whatever. But I don't care who you are. Uh, if you rolled up with Magyar, you're getting dunked on because Magyar <laughs> is absolute dog water, and Reno's really not much better. Like, you can pull off Reno, but, like, I've never ran into a Reno and been like, oh, gosh, I am terrified, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I've only ran into one that was, like, as good as my Reno, and my Reno's not great by any means. Um, that's not to say they're not out there. They're absolutely out there, but at the uh, rank we're playing, you just you don't encounter uh, good blaster players very often. Yeah, and I would rather a legend come out being underwhelming and then buffed than to be uh, overpowering and then have to... Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, especially uh, when you introduce a new weapon uh, such a, and such a dynamic weapon like, like Greatsword was. But yeah, Moonin, um, it, it's, it, it was, the hype died very quick. Uh, I think everyone was really antsy for a new legend, and uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, people just let it die off that quick. There's not even that much fan art for her now that she came out. <laughs> I know, and she's one of the coolest looking designs and has some of the coolest skins right out the gate. Uh, so uh, another thing they introduced in patch 6.0, which I'm, I couldn't, I don't have the slightest clue why, was uh, easy anti-cheat. Um, See, I, di I didn't really know there were cheats available for Brawlhalla. So obviously you have like aesthetic mods, which I don't think the developers have ever had an issue with. I don't um, think so either. Then you have, there's a, I think there's like a jump mod that doesn't change oh, yeah, how you that, jump, but it changes the colors. Yeah, so you, so know, you know how many jumps you have left. Yeah, and how your how many your opponent has left. I want to say somebody just got banned for using that in tournament. They've always said that you cannot use that in tournament. Right, but then the other the other weird one is uh, special K, which they've kind of been like okay about. 
Um, what is that? So it's a mod that, if I'm not mistaken, it reduces input lag, um, which gives not an advantage, but it allows people with a 60 hertz monitor to play on the same playing field as a 144 plus hertz monitor, because for whatever reason, this engine uh, has higher input delay at 60 hertz, which makes zero sense. Hmm. So uh, it, it basically reduced the input lag and uh, made it more playable for more people. Um, you know, I, I, I actually went out and bought, because I, I had two 60 hertz monitors because I just play fighting games, so all you need is 60 frames a second. Um, yeah. And then when I upgraded to 144 hertz, the difference was astounding. So I can mm-hmm. definitely see how, uh, how people would have used Special K uh, to, to level the playing field. I gotcha. But other than that, um, and that's what was weird about it, is because it seemed like it was to counter that. Um, it seems like you would want to roll out anti-cheat at the same time as, uh, you know, fixing the input lag. Um, and then that would have been made perfect sense. But mm-hmm. rolling it out by itself, they have an allowance in the Steam code. to You can do, like, minus no EAC. And it turns off uh, the anti-cheat, but you can't play ranked then. Mm. Um, okay. So if you do have issues with the anti-cheat, you can do that. The only thing I've noticed is, uh, and you may have noticed it as well, there's uh, significantly more stutters in, uh, when you're playing the game. Not rollback, like the game will physically stutter. Uh, I'm, I've not been playing a whole lot lately i'm sure I've, you'll I'm notice sure it you'll notice that now that i mentioned it <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't right, super obvious it felt like just a small rollback but there's a, a distinct difference to it so this next addition to the game you have a pretty uh, hot take with and uh i do i love it i don't know if it's a hot take because a lot of others share the sentiment but replacing we got emojis <laughs> now hold on hold on we're not talking about what it replaced it's we're the just same thing it they're they're mm. one in the same emojis Listen, are okay the emojis are amazing i'm right now sitting in a lobby by myself spamming the the big brain vrex uh emote uh it's uh, <laughs> so good the the core uh thumbs down love it Every time I beat somebody with Azoth, you know I'm hitting them with that R.I.P. laughing Azoth. Love it. So, for the unfortunate part, though, we did lose quite a beautiful thing. Post-game chat. So, I think this is why I haven't been playing Brawlhalla very much, to be quite honest. Post-game chat has been um, pseudo-removed. So, if you want, you can still chat with your opponent... Uh, but it just doesn't show up on the post-game screen. So if you, uh, the, the little chat box is gone, but if you type enter and then type something and hit enter, it'll show up in their lobby when you back out. Oh, I gotcha. So it, all See, they did was remove the appearance of chat. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it and I don't. And they said it, it was kind of because, well, it's, it's, PC only, so the other the other uh, platforms really don't have an option to chat. Okay, sure, whatever. But there's plenty of games with uh, that the PC version has chat function and the others don't. Yeah, like Destiny 2, for example. 
Right. Because uh, they just release crossplay, and it's really annoying whenever your teammates are doing something real stupid, <laughs> and you try to type in the chat, hey, stupid, quit doing that stupid thing, you stupid <laughs> idiot, and then uh, they can't see it because they don't have chat. And then I, <laughs> I check my game roster, I'm like, oh, these guys are on console, great. So, uh, speaking of calling people stupid, that was the other excuse they gave, is, is the toxicity associated with chat. So, the emojis, I, I think were... I have one a little two, bit more toxic. They are more toxic. I, I would agree with the that. The way I use them, anyway. Um, they're more toxic, and it, it pre- presents an opportunity for BMG to monetize it, which I'm cool with. Um, Ooh, yeah, emoji packs. Yeah, so I, I think that's definitely Jeez. down the road. But you did not need to remove chat in order to introduce emojis. There's no reason for those two to be exclusive. I mean, just imagine someone uh, talks crap to you in post-game chat, and you just keep spamming them with emojis. Like, you're still in the lobby. You're not leaving and you're not chatting. You're just every time and he says something, <laughs> you just hit him with the with the Azov emote. And they uh, know you're on PC, and so you have the ability to chat, but you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep emoting. Yeah. No, I, I've uh, I've been a proponent of it, a pretty vocal proponent of it on the uh, Reddit. And um, I, I really wish instead of removing it, they would have just allowed it to be opt in. So it's off by default, and then you can choose to opt in and have post game chat. Therefore, so I don't. I don't really like that idea, and I'll give you the perfect example. So, Destiny 2 is a pretty much an MMO, but it's a first-person shooter. It's a, a shooter-looter game. Yeah. Very Borderlands-esque, in a way, I guess. Uh, I don't remember you ever asking if I wanted to play with you, but <laughs> <clears throat> we'll save that for after the podcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, the voice chat... So, like, you know how you'd get in a Call of Duty lobby? Even still, you go boot up the newest Call of Duty game, half the people have mics. Right. And they're turned on. Well, Destiny 2, the in-game voice chat is default off. So, because of that, whenever you do want to use it, you have to... Like, if you want to, if you want to do a raid and somebody's got a friend who's on Xbox... You know, they can't... Xbox doesn't have Discord for whatever reason, so you have to use in-game voice chat. Well, the thing is, where it's automatically opted off, nobody uses it. You will never boot up a PvP match. I have never. And I've got 1,500 hours in Destiny 2. Never, ever once heard somebody have their mic on in a PvP match. A 6v6, you know... You need call-outs, you know, their cap a day, their cap B, whatever. Nobody, not at all, ever turns their voice chat on. Well, that's the distinct difference, though, is that's a team game, and, and it benefits you to have that active. And people still don't turn it on, is what I'm saying. Versus... Right. People would turn it on in this, though, because people want to talk crap. I guess, I guess. Um, And if they don't turn it on, then it's... It, you're at no disadvantage like because there's plenty of times where i would you know compliment someone on something and they wouldn't respond back they would just leave right or or they're you don't realize they're not on pc and you, you try to chat with them and and uh you get no response because they can't see it i just wish it was back but you could opt out of it you just turn it off instead of it automatically being opted out yeah i think the well, i mean like the, that I, person with the atlantean skin i wanted to be like 
that color looks so good on that skin. But I could. I think the difference is it it needs to be <laughs> it needs to be consensual trash talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you can't um, you can't make it so that people have to choose not to be um, involved in the toxicity, if you will. I mean, if there was like a working, if they had the support and the resources to have a working report system where everything gets reviewed by a person and people knew that if they get a little too toxic or say something they definitely shouldn't have, right? that they might have privileges taken away or a weak ban or something like that. Yeah, no, and that's and that's why like I think opt-in is probably the, the best route. Mm-hmm. You're, you're choosing to be involved in that and, and it, as such you, you really shouldn't have the ability to report someone for you know anything they say because you, you consented to it um, the the other thing they added um, as a result of that which I think is even it's just like the, the cherry on top of poor decision making uh, they added the rematch function uh, or not rematch the invite to lobby function right so people have wanted a rematch function for a while uh, so they, they gave the option to uh, invite to lobby, and now you can chat if you if you join their lobby or they join your lobby. Well, now it's like uh. you don't know what they're inviting you for, right? So you think you just had a really good game. You're like, oh, well, we're going to spar a bit. We're going to play a couple matches. No, they just want to trash talk you and then leave. Uh, so it's like... I'm not ran into that. Uh, I really don't run into toxic players. Yeah, I, I didn't too often either. Um sometimes but never to the point of like well that was a horrible experience but you know I've, I've been in the fighting game community for a while so i'm i'm used to trash people but uh yeah it's like you take you, you add emojis which is a, a cool thing but you take away chat which uh i guess it benefits some subpopulation and you're like but we gave you the option to still chat by adding a invite to lobby feature and it's like poor decision making all around I, I will it took the social aspect of this game from like um, it was never super social for me but it was social enough and I had some fun interactions I met some fun people in posting chat and now it's like I'm not gonna t- take time out of my queue time just to go to some lobby and maybe play with them yeah yeah I do agree on that on that point uh, I, I still feel like a report system would be nice but the thing is you gotta have resources got to have resources for it and such a i mean not necessarily a small team 40 50 people uh i believe is how many slosh said they have right uh, in our last podcast they already pump out so much content for this game i mean bra halloween bra halloween was a little uh late compared to like other game like halloween events but they just had you know munin's release they wanted that out first hype that up and then as soon as the Bra Halloween event's done, boom, anniversary event. Boom, one of the best Tatori skins in the game. <laughs> boom! One of the coolest freaking gauntlet skins for core. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it is. Uh, this I love is this game. one of my favorite events. Uh, gosh, I love the devs. <laughs> <laughs> I love them except for the choices they make with the social aspects of the game. Uh <laughs> Um, so anniversary event is in full swing right now. We've probably got another two weeks or so. As you had mentioned, Hattori got a new skin. Core got a new skin. 
Gala colors are back out, which are one of the best colors for an event. Um, and uh, Core Skin is... Core Skin is really good. The Gauntlets are really cool. It does not take colors well, though. Listen, I... I love me a lady in a suit. <laughs> and this Hattori skin just all cylinders goes so hard. She looks love like it. the she looks like the waitstaff at a fancy restaurant. Come on, man. Yeah, that's listen. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've, been, I've been trying to get my girl to uh, pick up a job at Olive Garden. <laughs> so every time she comes home from work, she got a tie on. So every time mm. she comes home from work, she smells like breadsticks. Oh yeah, oof, Olive Garden breadsticks. <laughs> You know what? You know what? We talking breadsticks here? I think Fazoli's breadsticks are slept on. They're so good. The rest of their food is dog water, but... Breadsticks are hit and miss uh, at restaurants. Yeah. Like, if it's just bread. And I go... Like, this is going to sound like a brag, but I like... I'm I'm a foodie. You're a foodie. You know, we like to... You know, some people spend $200 on a, you know anime figure that they set on a shelf that's cool some people like to spend some of their hobby money going to nice restaurants the thing that drives me the craziest is whenever i go to like a nicer sit-down restaurant and they give me this bread that's just this dry hard as a brick bread with like refrigerator not even room temp butter you can't even spread it oh man Ugh. that's the worst the bread's not warm enough to melt the butter either oh my and gosh. uh and it's not like it's it's not like a garlic butter or like you know it's not like i got truffle on it or something like that it's just yeah, plain like cro- just betty crocker spread. <laughs> bed betty crocker butter spread is what it is there we go there's my first curse word we took 16 episodes <laughs> and all we had to talk about was bread <laughs> Well, speaking of bread, someone's about to get this bread because BCX is in full swing. Fat prize pool, as always. And That was uh, a nice segue. I like <laughs> that you. segue a lot. <laughs> and uh, some really cool rewards this year. Really cool rewards. That throne emote, prime. Ooh. Barraza you know Medvedev. The, the throne emote is whenever you throw it out, like if you gravity cancel and throw it out, it, uh, like... It drops. You in the emote drops. There's a couple being, of those. See, being a Destiny player, I was like, how can this be abused? Yeah, exactly. No, I've this? been I've been looking for that. I've been looking for the like taunt with What's the highest the recovery. And I think you could totally cheese someone out uh, if they're trying to gimp you. Um, you you may kill yourself with it, but if you're just like if they're out of jumps and you need to delay, I think you could delay enough with that. It's possible we'll have to do some testing. There's um someone posted it on the Reddit a couple weeks ago before the throne emote was out. There were like two or three other ones that uh you know you'd get the the gravity cancel um platform and then after the platform disappeared you'd drop uh you know a couple of feet or whatever uh, unit of measurement they use in probably metric system but uh probably a couple meters you drop a couple meters and then uh, you finish the taunt. Um, I can't remember what taunts they were, though. Anywho, uh, yeah, so uh, we got the throne emote. Uh, They're finishing off the Regal Sun uh, weapon set. Uh, Esports V2 on all tracks. And uh, the Baraza Metadev skin, which is probably the best Metadev skin they've dropped. I'm so excited. Oh, it looks so good. Metadev skins. Go ahead. 
Can you view it in game under the image render term? Uh, maybe, probably. I would imagine since it's probably coming out like next week. Um, you're gonna hear a lot of clicking, everyone. Yeah, you can. Oh, it takes colors so well. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. bro! Even the classic colors look so good on it. Look at Gala, man. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is yeah. This is by far the best Metadev skin. I, I love how the Metadev skins are. They're like the 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 Super Saiyan versions of skins. Like they're just like you recognize it as Braza. That like not much has changed, but it's so much yeah. cooler than the base skin. That's like the cool thing about Metadev skins. Like that's kind of their whole point that people don't under like I see people complain about like I think it was when Fates Metadev came out. They were like. It's literally just the base uh, uh, fate skin. And I'm just like, yeah, they're, look at all the metadevs. They're literally just slightly more unique versions of the OG skin. It's like if they discovered legendary armor and put it on. That's that's what they look like. Yeah, they're like, there's... Uh, maybe not legendary. Like, it's, like, it's like they upgraded from like common up to rare, maybe. Yeah. It's like the holographic version. Oh, that's that's a, that's a good uh, a good explanation of it. Um, I think that takes us to the end of news. Oh, I did want to mention. Uh, I think it's probably still available for pre-order. Uh, they're coming out on Monday, but uh, the Yeti.com is dropping some more Brawlhalla merch. Uh, they're bringing back two of their old shirts, a new shirt which is really cool. I've already pre-ordered it, and um, two pins. So if you like pins, like I do. Uh, buy those, and you get a uh, Yeti Tarot skin with with each uh, purchase. Ooh. So uh, be on the lookout because uh, I'll have three codes, and I only need one. We might uh, might have a giveaway. Uh, so you have got me here uh, with this monkey paws. Monkey paws. <laughs> monkey's paw monkey's topic. Monkey's paw. So, uh, for those that don't know, the monkey's paw... This man just Googled the definition of a monkey's paw. No, I, I wanted to know who it was by. It's W.W. Jacobs. Um, it was a short story originally published in 1902. So, uh, I can't recall what the... Uh, I know what the premise is. I can't recall the exact details of it. Um, well, actually, I, I specifically oh. remember. Monkey's paw is uh it's just literally like a decrepit like petrified monkey's paw right, that can right. grant wishes right it's just like a, a genie's lamp but the specific thing with the monkey's paw is you know like a genie doesn't come out and like talk to you and have a cool little personality you just make the wish and it happens well with the monkey's paw there's always a very drastic bad thing so in the monkey's monkey's paw story it it's a husband and wife whose son just died. They just found out their son died in a, uh, uh, like a work-related incident. Like his body got all mangled up in machinery or something like that. She wishes for her son to come back. Well, he does. And uh, then there's a very uh, mangled zombie corpse trying to get into their house. You have some really good details on this. Uh, my dad used to tell it to me all the time when I was all a right. kid. All right, all right. So uh, I was going to explain something like that, but not to that detail. So I appreciate that. So what we've done is we've come up with three buffs for uh, our mains or uh, characters we like to play uh, that we wish they had, and the other person came up with three nerfs 
uh, or one nerf per each legend um, that would take the place if that buff was granted. So, you want to do a one and one, or you want to roll through mine and then roll we'll, through we'll yours? We'll do one and one. All right. So, uh, my first buff that I wish for was on Yumiko, and I want increased active frames on bow and hammer desig, which are both of our wisp attacks. So the three wisps on the ground and the three wisps on the arch. So I saw this and I was like, how do I make this not a good thing? So Yumiko's whip wisps are now decreased in size. They're even smaller. They, yep, they're even smaller. They're twice as small as they usually are. You mean they're they're half the size? Yeah, half the size. <laughs> it's been a long day, buddy. Packing stuff up. I'm gonna. To I'm totally gonna. I'm totally day. gonna start referring to things the opposite of the way I should. Shut up. <laughs> it's, uh, so it's half as small as. Uh, <laughs> it's half as small. There we go. So, I think the way we should do this is now you answer if you would take this. This so buff, knowing I, that nerf comes. So it's it's still three wisps and um, on each of them. And the only difference is they're smaller, but they stay out longer. Correct. Uh, is okay with because I don't have the game pulled up and can't like measure it out. Uh, can someone fit between the wisps on the hammer? And I don't Just... think they could, but maybe. Currently, I don't think you can. But in this instance, now just a very specific sliver of air. Like it's got to be frame can. perfect. Yeah, it's got to be frame perfect. Um, oh yeah, I would take it then. I would take it absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think that would make her like just much more interesting to play. And I'm not saying like they stay out there for like two sec or three seconds. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they stay out there for two seconds instead of the one second or so that they stay out. I, I don't know the exact amount of. Yeah, I would take that one. I would take that one. So before we get to yours, I want to say you and I took two very different approaches to this and how we buffed characters, and I thought it was very interesting, and we can talk about that later. But your yeah, first I, one. I, I changed characters. You changed, like, uh, frame data and stuff. It, it showed what was important to us, Correct. I think. So, <laughs> so go ahead with your first one. So my first one is Petra base defense goes from four to six. Reason being is, gosh, she hits like a truck, but and most of the time I can I can hang with just about any legend. But whenever I run up to, you know, ten strength is all or or a Taros, just other high strength characters, she just gets smacked around and dies so quickly. Ten strength is always going to smack around anyone except uh, a Magyar, basically. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, you can do a a nine-strength Petra, but it brings her defense down to three. Right, right. So, I I thought this was a really strong buff, and as such, um, there's two slight... Well, one (laughs) one major nerf, and one slight nerf that I think balances it out. So, lower strength from eight to seven... So you're losing one. And I'm taking that all day. Taking lower all speed. Day. Well, these are like one and the same. Because you, you can't just gain two stats, right? You have to lose two stats. Yeah. So you lose one strength and you lose one speed. 
Um, and then the other part of the, the the nerf is slightly less knockback on gauntlet neutral sig. So it would take slightly higher health to KO with it. I'm all right with that. Yeah, because like... I would take that. That is a perfectly reasonable nerf. Because I was looking at her stats and I'm like... I'm like, you're never going to take Dex, Dex stance on Petra. So you're never going to drop strength by... Uh, one anyways, naturally. Um, so I think taking the strength down to seven and the speed down to, uh, what is it, five? Um, I think that's a fair trade. Yeah. These aren't, I, I, I wanted to keep these kind of like plausible nerfs and buffs, like fair trades, not complete like, uh, you know, your character just completely sucks now. So, uh, I apologize for what you're about to get yourself into. Then, all you, right, you and I had two totally different uh, interpretations. <laughs> well, you of didn't. The you part. didn't make Yumiko that bad. That's why I thought we were on the same page. But uh, I, I got one that will maybe, maybe uh, be be bad. But my second one, Linfei, increased hitbox on cannon insig, the kind of uppercut attack. And Which if you went, if you went off, on, you think it needs to happen? Yeah, I that, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> All right, how'd you how'd you screw up Linfei? Uh, Linfei base strength drops from three to two. <laughs> so if you play defense stance, you're gonna have one strength. There's there's no character with a natural two stat, right? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Um, okay, so it's completely unreasonable. Uh, <laughs> but is that a fair trade? Given that her strength already is low, and uh, let me hear, let me see. So, strength step stance takes away from dex. So if I if I take strength, my dex goes from eight to seven, which puts me back to her natural three. Is the cannon buff worth that? So, I don't think so. Actually, I don't think I'm going to take it. Okay. Because that's that's fair. So I play with nine decks. Uh, I play with nine decks on Lin Fei because it makes uh, one of her guitar strings true. Um, nine 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 decks will make a. Uh, I think it's sidelight neutral light true. I think that's what it is. It makes one of them true, and I I don't want to give that up just to get my strength back. All right, all right. But man, that. That buff needs to happen to the cannon, regardless. It really does. I was that, I was that looking at signatures. The hitbox <laughs> is so small. The the hitbox is small. She's low strength, so it doesn't do much damage. Um, compare it to uh, Fate's neutral sig on Orb. Oh my goodness! Which hits like a truck. Now she has double the strength, but it's got yeah, a bigger yeah, yeah. hitbox. It hits higher. Like like Lin Fate does a little bunny hop when she does this neutral sig, whereas whereas uh fate is like air jordan up in the air just <laughs> smacking fools man that's one of the best feeling signatures to hit in this game that one so good that one and petra's gauntlet insig i think yep. fates is slightly more satisfying to hit but uh yeah i agree you know what other one's kind of satisfying but i, I always feel dirty hitting it is zol's uh axe neutral sig yeah just the way hey, he hey. swings that hammer with ill intention and Azoth's side sig, it's uh, like it's 
it's like fast like Artemis's side sig. I don't think it's as good because it takes some time to get used to, which leads into Azoth, larger hitbox. Hitbox activates earlier for the X side sig, which is where he just lunges at you real hard. So you want it both bigger and um like because he dashes forward not dash he like floats forward a little bit um yeah and it's it's really not active till like the last like i don't know maybe 30 percent of the signature right yeah uh the last actually let's uh gotta get that yawn out i'm gonna take off the the larger hitbox part because that's kind of two buffs but just activates earlier so for example if you if you swing it's very easy to just not connect and go past the character. Right, then, right. As soon as the signature's done, like, your feet are literally touching. You just, like, it's like nothing personal, kid. You teleported behind him. But yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Reno's sigs are, side sigs are kind of the same way. So I, I get what yeah. you're saying there. Um, okay. So I had it planned out that both of those were happening. So um, right, we'll, we'll keep it both in. So I'm going to give you slower startup so that. You know how he like floats back a little bit? Yeah. It takes a little bit longer for him to get back. Or maybe he floats further back. I don't know. Something like that. He, it, let's just say it's slower. So he floats back a little bit slower. Like a longer windup. And then on the back end, because uh, he gets a nice large hitbox out of it, we're going to give a slightly longer recovery. So it's it's slower on both ends. But it's faster in... Um, or it... It hits bigger in the middle, which I think fits Azoth's character more. Yeah. I don't think there's any reason Azoth needs a signature that hits ridiculous fast. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. I figured as much. Because I, I love that signature because I'm really good at hitting people with it off stage. On stage, it's hard. It, yeah, on stage, it's a lot harder. Off stage is really good because it's you can time it. It, it, where it's a signature where you'll miss if they're too close, people are trying to stay away from you whenever they're off stage. Right. They see a signature coming, they're they're gonna pause or maybe dodge up a little bit, but it you have a higher chance of hitting it because it's mostly that edge of the signature is what you're hitting people with. Well, if you whiff off stage with it, you can just turn around in recovery and you're probably yeah. gonna hit them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oof, gosh, I love it. It was off. You just you just love disgusting axe and bow. Is that? Is that? Uh, okay, my third and final one, Reno. Since I've been playing a lot of Reno lately, and uh, haven't found uh, a lot of use for this signature. It's okay off stage, but um, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, his orb D sig. I want lower recovery on the D sig so I can act out of it faster. That's the one where he jumps in the arch. It's kind of like Ada's, mm-hmm. uh, where she like shoots, but it's way smaller. Uh, so he jumps in an arch and, like, uh, shoots the orb in a diagonal, like, laser beam. Yeah, shoots, like, the laser beam down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing I could think of with that... Oh, I got another yawn. <sighs> You're welcome, audio listeners. <laughs> uh, I just increased the startup frames for the animation, so it char- it charges up a little bit more. Little comes out a little slower. Yeah. Which I feel hurt, something like that, because that's a very reactive... You know, you catch somebody off stage, you want to be quick and try to edge guard with it. Yeah, here's the thing is it, it's kind of hard to edge guard with if they're hugging the wall because of the angle that it goes at. 
Like I've tried like reversing, uh, reverse desigging off the map, and it's still hard to hit. Uh, like you have to hit them while they're jumping. Like you have to predict. Right, right. You can't. You can't wait till they get to jump. the wall. Yeah. Um, I just I I think for using it more uh, in a neutral manner on stage, the decreased uh, recovery would help because I could like jump out of it and throw out a, a down air with the orb or something like that. So I would probably take that because typically when I when I throw it out, I'm not at risk of getting hit uh, on the startup. It's the it's the end that I'm at risk of getting hit at because I'm moving towards them. Okay. So I, I would take I would take that one. Okay. All right. This one so, was a uh, this one was a fat buff for you. <laughs> big old fat buff. So I love playing Hatori, but I don't play her as much. I'm I'm she's one that I'm good with in one v ones. Because she just applies so much pressure and she's so fast. Because uh, she's got eight speed normally, and her uh, base eight speed. You can just get up in people's faces, and yeah, you have to hit them a lot more because she's got four strength. But you know, you can get away with that in one v ones, or at least I can. But in two v twos, I you see people play Hatori more in two v twos, and whenever I try to do it, I just get smacked around. I take so much damage and I do nothing no damage so I was thinking base strength from 4 to 6 and then her side sig on uh, sword be completely changed uh, third time's Jeez, the charm man. with these yawns don't worry uh, we're wrapping it up soon old man <laughs> but it's cause I don't have a not a sponsor voodoo ranger with me tonight <laughs> uh, so it's going to be a charging like a rampage type uh, signature like imagine Zol's side six where he just runs at you something like that with her sword so, instead of her little like she just kind of like dashes forward like it's it's kind of a small signature yeah yeah I feel like it's one that suffers from being one of the original legends there's a couple of those that I'm like yeah. I, I feel like they need to revamp it just slightly to give it more utility mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that with some of like Cassidy's, but uh, so you want the side sig to to like be able to for her to be able to run, so like cover say I don't know half to half to uh, three quarters of the map or something like that, exactly. like 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 a Suri's distance. Yes, yes, that's perfect. Okay, do you want it to be like a Suri's where you can run through them, or Zol's where it stops when it makes contact? Uh, stops when it makes contact. Okay. And that's the one that hits backwards, right? She, like, yes. hits them the opposite yes. direction that she's running. Okay, so... Being that that move will give her more utility, I want to decrease her base speed from 8 to 6. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, which still makes her 2 speed faster than Zol and uh, as fast as a Suri. So she would still, like, kind of move how a Suri does, almost. Um, and then the Spear D-Sig, that Cloud one, that has that random big hitbox at the beginning, 
Mm -hmm. it loses that big hitbox in the cloud, but the overall move is faster. So, so it you instead of using it to just cover big ground, you would use it more as an attack as opposed to like almost a parry. Is I feel like how most people use it. So you do get a little uh, buff uh, from that. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's a, I like that a lot. I'm definitely taking it. I was afraid you were going to say when you brought up that the down signature on a spear that it was going to be it takes away that little like, you know how like if you're not in the cloud but you're out of the cloud when she stabs her spear out a little bit, yeah, you can still get poked with it. I thought you were going to take that away. And I was like, oh no, take away the poke. Yeah, the little poke. no, no. That's that's the part you're going to keep. So it's going to have a really relatively small hitbox, but it's going to be pretty fast. Alright, I'm taking it. What if... What if... This would be cool. And uh, So you're going to take that buff. So we all took the... We took all the buffs. Or wait, I didn't take Lin Face. I didn't take Lin Face. So, uh... Alright, Monkey's Paw wasn't too bad. But, but uh, I had this thought with Hattori's D-Sig on Spear. Check this out. So what if... It keeps the cloud, loses the hitbox... Um, loses both hitboxes, loses the big one and loses the little poke. But in the signature, she can. There's a hitbox uh, the size of her hurt box, and she can move left to right in the cloud like uh, like Mako can with her guitar down sig. Ooh, that's kind of cool. So it's like it's like a like throw up a cloud of smoke and like I, I'll hit you if I touch you. That would be cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Ooh, you know it'd be really cool. If so, you know how Yumiko is a very unique legend because she throws out those wisps. Oh, I'm, and I'm like, well it's aware. Like a, it's a signature that you throw out, and then you can run away from it. Yeah, and it can still people can still get hit with it. What if there was one? Doesn't necessarily have to be a Hattori. It could be a new legend, and they have a signature that doesn't necessarily do damage, but they throw a smoke bomb that covers, let's say, from one-fourth of the map maybe one-third of the map is how big the cloud is person playing that legend can see red outlines of where they are and the opponent is inside the cloud the opponent when they enter the cloud they can't see where they are like you know the the game mode where you're like invisible unless you attack yeah yeah. phantom something kind of like that like anything that enters the cloud opponents can't see where it is does that make sense yeah yeah no it makes sense it would actually kind of work because brahal is played almost exclusively online whereas like that wouldn't work if you were playing on the couch with against someone yeah um i i like the idea of it uh maybe not that specific example or or something that like that big but i want to see more utility signatures yeah like a smoke bomb or it doesn't have to be a smoke bomb, but something that like you get slowed down. Slowed down, or like it sticks you in place for just a moment if you get hit with yeah. it. Like a, a sticky bomb of like some a sort. Stun. Yeah. Yeah. Something with utility would be so cool, man. That's why that's why I love Yumiko is because the the D sigs are so different than any other uh pretty much any other signature. I, I can't think mm-hmm. of anyone else's that kind of do that. I guess Zoles does with the traps a little bit. But those still are attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, well, we've been going. We are setting at about 55 minutes. 
55 minutes. That's a little longer than I wanted to go, but hey, it's our first time back. We had to get the we had a lot to rust off the wheels. Lots to talk about. Uh, hopefully we can get back to a bi-weekly schedule now that, um, now that we've dusted off our losses at fall championship and, and work's winding Sub-crime. down for me. So uh, I should be more available. So anyways, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Gravity Cancel podcast. We're uh, getting pretty close to wrapping up showdown. So one oh, or got both of us. We've got a big episode <laughs> coming soon. Uh, and I say it like that because I have spent a lot of time editing it. It's still not finished. I'm also not the only person editing it. Uh, so there's a little sneak peek of a surprise for you. Whoa, but, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is something and, I don't even know about. And it's also uh, multiple weeks crammed into one so we can do a little bit of catch-up. We sat down and played about three three or four, maybe. Are you putting all those in the same episode? Not all of them. Oh. But it is... You'll see. You'll see. You will enjoy it. So we're not... Just how many episodes are we going to get <laughs> out of the three we recorded? Oh, you'll see. You'll see. Okay. All right. Don't well, worry. every I'll it'll, see it'll, everyone It'll else. be labeled that it's different weeks. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Don't you worry. Don't All right. Worry. So tune in for that because uh, then probably uh, a month or so, maybe right around the new year, uh, we'll be dishing out some cash to some charities, one or both of us. So uh, thanks for tuning in to another great episode, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. If you're a homeowner, it might surprise you to see the list of items or scenarios your current homeowner's insurance policy doesn't cover. And that's just in regard to your home. The parts of your lifestyle like boats, ATVs, motorcycles, horses, or dogs, for example, are almost never covered in a standard policy. And that precisely is why you need a true umbrella policy from X-Insurance. Our true umbrella policies work with your current policy to fill in the gaps. So what your insurance company isn't covering will be covered. We provide superior customer service and offer same-day quotes and solutions. So call us today or have your insurance agent call us. We'll review your existing policy, identify your exclusions, and then write a custom X-Insurance true umbrella policy that covers you and all of your assets, giving you true peace of mind. And after all, isn't that what having insurance is all about? For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. to making celebrations with your family great? Kohl's has the answer. Discover super comfy bedding from the big one for your guest room. Keurig coffee brewers for mornings spent together. And Bissell floor care for cleaning up after the fun is over. Oh, and really great gifts your family will love. Order online at Kohl's.com and choose fast and free store pickup or head to your nearest Kohl's store today. 
live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and four hours from the closest professional sports team. It's not a lie if you believe it. On the banks of the Mississippi River. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I you? It's the Degenerate Sports Betting Show with Matthew Friedman. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Degenerate Sports Betting Show brought to you by SCV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season long and daily fantasy and sports betting content your degenerate heart desires, including my fantasy football write ups and all of my NFL sides, totals, and player props. Use the highly original promo code Friedman for 20% off of your FTN subscription. That is Friedman for 20% off at FTN. Thanks for checking out the show. Subscribe to the best TV channel on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. It is Tuesday. Tonight, we have a monster NHL slate. And that is why, for today's episode, we have on our very own Chris Meany, uh, the hockey hockey extraordinaire dude. That's that's his official title on Twitter, if you look it up. Hockey extraordinaire dude. Uh, he is on to help us break down today's slate. Because I'll be honest, I don't know anything about hockey. I, I really know nothing. So we're bringing Chris on Chris. Come on. It is. It's great to have you on the show. We do the, the Sunday show together where we talk just about NFL. Um, I'll be honest. I barely know anything about football either, but I feel like I know <laughs> enough to, to fake it for that show for this show. I, I know nothing. Uh, so it's, it's great to have you on the show to uh, educate us about hockey. Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Uh, I was thrilled for uh, the invite. It is a massive uh, NHL slate here today, 11 games. And you know what? I've been faking it on that football show, too. I mean, this is a guy who had the Rams last night, and they were never in that football game. So, I mean, it is what it is. Football is tough. We've been riding some uh, some hot waves here in the NHL, so hopefully we can continue it here. You know, coming from the fantasy side of things, um, I feel it's not like I feel I have. I've always done better at player props than sides and totals and that's not an uncommon thing it's you know a softer market across the board uh and a couple of years ago for the nhl playoffs i actually decided on a whim to create projections player projections for hockey and i actually did really well with those player props so like that's the one thing that i've had some interest in i i haven't bet uh, player props for the NHL in a while because I, I'm just not going to go through the effort every day of creating my own projections for it. But you've actually done really well betting NHL this year. Sides, totals, or you know, sides, money line, totals, and especially those player props. And people can go to FTN Bets and, and see your record there. Talk a little bit about what it is that you've kind of keyed in on. Like, how is it that you are so hot to start the year, especially on player props. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, last year was new to me for NHL shot props. I've always been, uh, you know, a huge hockey fan, and I've always bet on sides and totals and parlays and whatnot. But you know, last year books just start re- started releasing shot props, and they adjusted throughout the year. Usually, it was like one and a half or just volume shooters, like Alex Ovechkin. Leads the league in shot attempts. He's always led the league in shot attempts. He's he's just loves to shoot the puck. He's a bit of a puck hog. Those are kind of players that I like to target in prop land. I like to have guys that are volume shooters. They're getting a lot of opportunity on the power play. They're getting a lot of ice time at five on five. And I think that's the key. And a lot of people have asked me over the past year and a half is like, how, what do you look at for 
shot props. And it's easy to look at the shot attempts and see those those league leaders and, and those guys that like to shoot the puck. But I think the biggest thing is attacking players, uh, certainly matchups are key, obviously, Freeman, you know that, you know, looking at teams that give up a lot of high quality chances at five and five, but also teams that take a lot of penalties. And if they're taking a lot of penalties, then they're killing penalties and the other team is getting a lot of power play opportunity. And I like to target guys who are on these teams and they're the trigger man. You know, when you look through a lot of teams in the NHL, you know who the guys are in the trigger, uh, the trigger man's on their teams. They kind of hang out on the half boards. They kind of play pitch and catch on each side, try to move the puck, get some puck moving around. But for the most part, they want to get the puck to their guys that they know are not afraid to shoot it. And they're really good at that. So we've had some success over the past couple of years, just targeting shot props. Books are still adjusting, but they haven't been quick to it. I don't know if it's because it's the NHL and, uh, maybe it's, people are just unaware of, you know, these shot props. But what I've noticed this year in particular, they're coming out a little bit later, but they're still leaving guys that, you know, a lot of us over at FTN and people in the Discord channel, we we kind of have ongoing jokes like Sam Bennett. We got to go to Sam Bennett again. Like, for example, this is a guy who's played just under 30 games with the Panthers, and he's averaging four shots per game with Florida. And his shot prop is plus money at two and a half. And it's been that way all year long and we just continue to hammer that so we're taking advantage of some books but for the shot props it really is all about volume shooters the ice time that they get and that ice time being on the power play is, is a huge key you know one thing i i remember and it's so weird because you would think by the time the playoffs come around you have a, a decent size of data right like a sample of data to work with the entirety of the regular season and yet even then when I was just jumping into these shot props in the playoffs, I still found some significant values. Uh, and I think it's just a sign of like books are books are just off. Like this isn't a yeah. market that they are prioritizing and they would be so off sometimes that there would be a line released, you know, two and a half at two different books on the same guy. And one book has plus money on one side and one book has plus money on the other side. You know, it's just like in an instance like that, it's not like you're making a lot of money on it, but it literally is free money. It's like one of the only free money things that you can get in the sports betting space. So uh, this is definitely uh, a situation to keep on monitoring. Everyone, be sure to check out what Chris Mini is doing in the FTN Bets Tracker with all of those shot on goal props. I got to say, I just thinking about this a little bit more, like it's, it's taking me back. Like the edges on these, like in terms of projections, we're so slight in terms of like, okay, like a lot of times, a lot of the players, they'd be projected for, you know, two and a half or three and a half. But if there's a guy with the shot prop of two and a half and I have him projected for 2.8, that might not seem like that big of a difference, but it's like, oh baby, like this, like there's significant <laughs> value on, on this prop. So I don't know. I'm thinking about this. Maybe, maybe when football season is over, I will start to get back into yes. those NHL prop streets and start doing some projections because I I absolutely loved betting NHL NHL props player props yeah yeah there's dude there there you're right I mean there really is a lot of value and a lot of edges and I, I think you nailed it with just the market not really caring about um, the NHL altogether but. Man, at the shot prop so far, 155 and 113, that's 30 units. Last year, we were pretty successful. You said you had success in the playoffs. I didn't. I was up to 165 units in the playoffs, and I lost a lot of, uh, of units on shot props and just picking guys, picking teams for upsets, which I never, I never got in the playoffs. I find it a little bit tougher because it's more tight checking, and sometimes it's all about those matchups where mm -hmm. in the regular season – 
you know, at this point of the season, we're here five weeks, we're into week six, teams aren't really matching up. Like in the playoffs, it really is all about those matchups, especially if you have home ice, you want to have your checkers up against players that, um, you know, the, the opposing team's best players. And sometimes that does create a little bit more value for other guys that you wouldn't think of, maybe guys on second line. So if you're like, I, something that I like to look at, I don't want to confuse too many people here, but the the visiting team, I would maybe look at the second line as opposed to the first line, especially if they're going to be up against a tight checking line, which that line could maybe hold that top player in check. And then you have that second line all of a sudden, like a Sam Bennett who pops up at plus plus money where everyone wants to look to Alexander Barkov, for example, the Florida Panthers, a terrific player. But usually that second line player has softer matchups. So that's something to keep in mind as well. One, one final question here. This is this is total degeneracy, but we haven't even gotten to today's slate talking about player props. Did you have you found value on the saves props for goalies? Like I found, I wasn't like I was profitable there, but I wasn't nearly as good on the saves props as I was on the shots on goal props. Have you noticed anything with how it is that that market has materialized for you? A little bit, yeah. Um, we're starting to get a more more data, like you said. There's more data available, so you're starting to see. Like th- this is the time of the year where I really take a look at the five on five numbers, and that's key for me as well. Natural Stat Trick is a great site to look at that sort of stuff. So I am always looking at teams that allow the most shot attempts and the most shots, and then you go and get that goalie for the prop. But there's never, I never really find plus money for for saves. It's usually around even, which is fine. It's all right, uh, but I think there's a little bit more value when it comes to shot props for players. But also, um, you know, you do want to target teams. Like I said, there's a, a large enough sample size now. For example, Arizona is a team that we've been picking out a lot in the community. Um, th- there's a lot of teams that allow a lot of rubber at five on five and some good teams that, you know, you wouldn't think like the Rangers are a pretty good squad. Uh, they're struggling right now at five and five. They're among the bottom in, in teams generating chances and they're giving up a lot. So Igor Shesterkin is a goalie that sometimes you, you view him. He's always up at the top of DraftKings and Fandle. He's one of the better fantasy goalies in the league, but he also makes a lot of saves because his team gives up a lot of shots. So for example, you can see him today at 28 and a half against the Canadians, a good team at five on five, not scoring a lot of goals, but generating a lot of pressure, but you only get that at like minus 110. So not that there's anything wrong with that. I find it's a little more challenging to predict those saves. Uh, you can predict shot attempts but or shot attempts against, but also I just think there's a little bit more, it's a little easier to predict shooters uh, as opposed to those goalies uh, You know, making those saves. And if they have a bad night, they could get yanked, and that's always something that's yeah. in the back of my mind as well. Yeah, exactly. All right, you mentioned there the... Um... I think Arizona, Arizona Coyotes, and uh, I mean, how horrible they have been. They are in the slate tonight. Let's sort of use that as the the stepping stone to get into the slate. If you had bet against the Coyotes, right, you would be 14-1, and one, and based on some of the numbers that I ran, you would have a 36% return on investment. That's pretty good. Like, you know, <laughs> degenerate that I am, I, knowing nothing about hockey, I would just look at that and think, you know what? I bet there's a little more juice left in that lemon. You could probably squeeze that a couple more times and still be profitable. What do you think of the Coyotes on tonight's slate, but then also just kind of big picture in general for this season? Why are they so bad? Can people just blindly bet against them? 
Like you can, yeah. Um, but I mean, minus three hundred three using the prop shop. I mean, you talked about earlier too, just the different books. I mean, the prop shop and the parlay calculator over at FTM Bets is, is absolutely phenomenal for this sort of stuff. But minus three hundred three, like if you're going to back the Blues at minus three hundred three, the NHL. I mean, it's still to me. I think it is the hardest sport to predict. I know the NFL is obviously very tough, and there's a lot of parity there. But on any given night, I mean, NHL teams could certainly win. But this Coyotes team. I mean, they're really, they really are atrocious, Freeman. I mean, and they want to be, right? I mean, they've, <laughs> they've shipped off everybody over the past couple of years. They've shipped off every asset that they've had for picks. They've stockpiled draft picks. They are tanking. They lost a couple picks a couple of years ago um, to some sort of scandal. And this team is just, they're, they're not good. They don't have the personnel. Uh, they're missing some of their better players that, you know, could drive offense for them. And overall, they just don't have the goaltending either. So not only that, and... You know, we have been blinding <laughs> blind bets across the board when it comes to this team, but also puck line bets. So to win by two goals, which is never a bet that I I don't really give this one out, but this is something that we've we've been riding, you know, for quite some time. So you mentioned Arizona, they're one thirteen and one. They've scored twenty three goals. They've allowed sixty. So a negative thirty seven goal differential is not great. Um, and then also they've lost by more than one goal in eleven of their fifteen games. So instead of betting the blues at minus three hundred. You take them by two goals to win tonight. They've already beaten Arizona this season, seven to four. And you can get that at minus 120. So this is a team in Arizona that's last in shot attempts. They're third in shots. They're last in scoring chances. They're second last in high danger chances where a big bulk of the goals come from in the slot, in the middle of the ice, right in front of the goalie. Uh, so this is a team that just really doesn't generate anything offensively. In terms of, is this going to be the worst team of all time? It may be. It may just be the Washington Capitals in 1974 and 75 expansion year for them. They went 867 and five, the fewest wins of all time, uh, 21 points, the fewest of all time. Their goal differential was negative 265. I don't know if it gets to that point, but I think that Arizona's on a pace that they're going to go well over a buck 50. You had Detroit in 2019 at minus 122 is one of the highest goal differentials in a negative way that we've seen in quite some time. But this Washington team had a had a .131 winning percentage. They lost 39 of 40 games on the road, and they had 17 straight losses. The one win that Arizona has is against an expansion Seattle Kraken team who have struggled so far this season to find offense. So this is this is historic. It's as historic as it comes, Friedman, in terms of, you know, teams. I went back and I looked just to double check at other teams that have had bad seasons. The Senators in 92-93, they're an expansion team that year, 10-70-4. And, and then San Jose in 92-93, that was their second year in the league. They went 11-71-2. I don't know if I see 10 wins on this Arizona team because they're also going to continue to flip any sort of assets that they have. I think Jacob Trickren's the only guy that they're willing to keep, but Phil Kessel's on the last year of his deal. If they flip him for another pick... Then that's another offensive player that they just don't have on a team that's not generating anything anyways. So they're going to flip him at the deadline, get whatever they can in return. I know Jack Eichel was flipped the other day last week and Arizona was calling saying, listen, we'll take on whatever. We'll take all the salary and we'll take on some picks and give whatever you want. So this is honestly a team that is just in it to lose and they're not even going to be guaranteed the top overall pick with the lottery. They're going to have the best odds, but they may not get the first pick. It could be the fourth overall pick. Uh, and it's a pretty good expansion draft to or NHL draft. But yeah, this team is awful. And I think we just continue to pick on them in DFS and in the betting market. 
All right. So in the betting market, as you mentioned, 303, uh, that's what it would take to bet the St. Louis Blues looking in the prop shop or looking in the uh, the odds tool that we have at FTN Bets. You can get that at BetMGM. If you're looking at the puck line, minus one and a half on the Blues, uh, minus 120 odds. That That is interesting. I have I have a follow-up question here. Like, because this goal di- differential that you mentioned, it's massive. How many of those are empty net goals? I mean, you you probably don't know this off the top of your head, but like in my mind, that's where the, you know, like the hook comes in of going from one to two, where this team is so bad at some point they remove the goalie. I've always, you know, kind of, I've heard, uh, you know, like, was it like empty nets, uh, sink bets or whatever it is. Yeah. Like if you're oh, betting yeah. on, on the total, but if you're betting on the puck line, it seems like, you know, there actually is the advantage of playing against a bad team where they do pull the goalie and you have some opportunities for that empty net goal that can push you over the line. You're right. And I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but we've been fortunate twice. So it has happened twice that I'm aware. I, we all sweated one out a couple of weeks ago. The Panthers were plus money to beat them by two goals and they were up by three in the third. And then all of a sudden Arizona co- scored a couple. And then it was like, Oh no, like Florida's only up a goal here, even though they had dominated the first 40 minutes of that game and a couple bad breaks. And all of a sudden it's a one goal game. And we got an empty net goal in the last 10 seconds to be on the right side of that. It was a five, three win. But for the most part, like this is a team that's just been straight up blown out eight, two against Columbus. One of the worst offensive teams in the league. They, they allowed eight in that game, seven, four to the blues, five, one Edmonton, three, nothing Islanders. That was one of the ones as well. They were up two nothing or down two nothing. They pulled their goalie and then the Islanders put a third one in there. Uh, but this is honestly just a team that just doesn't generate anything. I'm looking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of their games this season. They have scored one or zero goals. So they're not even really in it by the time the end of the third period comes around to pull a goalie. But we have seen some teams pull goalies. The other night, the Canadians did it against a team. They were down by three goals. They pulled their goalie with five and a half minutes left. They end up losing the game by five or six. So these things certainly do happen. Uh, but for the most part, this isn't a team that's really been in it for the last few minutes. But uh, that's been that's a perk. I mean, if you want to get crazy and pick the Blues to win by two, just two here at plus 105, I'm seeing that over at DraftKings. I mean, you can get involved with that because if it is, you know, if it is a two-goal game, they could potentially pull their goalie and it could be a three or a four-goal game. But... Uh, for the most part, it, they're just not in, in these hockey games. All right. So uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about a really bad team. Um, <laughs> maybe let's talk about a game that you're interested in. But, you know, out, out of all the games on the slate, which one is your favorite tonight? Well, I do like the Blues on the puck line. Obviously, we've talked a lot about that. Uh, that one is one of my favorite ones here today. There's two teams that I like this evening that are a little bit juice, but I think, you know, putting them into a – Maybe a, just a two-leg parlay here. You can get plus 151. That's Florida over the New York Islanders. The Islanders just played last night against Tampa Bay. So that's a tough back-to-back. Any team that has to go into Tampa, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and then play the Florida Panthers, who are my favorite team in the NHL uh, right now. That's just a tough draw. Plus, this is game number 13 in a row on the road for the Islanders. 13 straight games to start the season on the road is tough for any team in the NHL. Five weeks on the road. 
uh, the reason the a new NHL arena for them, and they're going to have their home opener this Saturday. So that's a really tough spot for the Islanders. And then the New York Rangers at home against the Montreal Canadiens, a depleted team, missing a lot of pieces from their team last year, a team that went to the Stanley Cup finals last season. Oh, it was a magical run, but you know, they're missing Carey Price, arguably one of the best goalies in the, uh, in the NHL. Uh, Shea Weber is sidelined. Joel Edmondson is sidelined. So that's two of their top four defensemen from last season's run, no longer with the team. Uh, Philip Deneau, one of the best defensive centers in the league. They didn't uh, bring him back through free agency. They lost Jesperi Kakanemi, and they're shorthanded up front. They're missing a few key players on offense. So those teams are, are kind of heavily juiced. I'm seeing the Rangers minus 186 using the parlay calculator, and I'm seeing the Panthers at minus 175. But like I said, if you include them both, um, plus 151. And then the Ducks. I think we continue to ride this out. We've been riding this wave. <laughs> duck, duck, duck. We're doing the whole uh, Mighty Ducks thing. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth over at FTN. We're having fun. I mean, they're home dogs again here today. Plus 125 against the Washington Capitals, who are depleted as well. They're missing basically their entire second line with Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie and Anthony Mantha all sidelined here. The Ducks plus 125 for a team that has won seven straight games at home. I think we got to continue to ride that one out. So amazingly, I actually did a very small amount of research uh, in preparation for this this show. And I was looking at uh, historical trends because I, I, I think I remember last year the Islanders on home ice were very good. Uh, and so I was looking and I saw that I thought there was something wrong with uh, the tool that I was using because I didn't see any home games for the Islanders this year. And I was thinking like, ah, we're, we're far enough in the season. Like th- <laughs> yeah. this, this tool must be broken or whatever. I just assumed it hadn't updated for this current season. I had no idea they had played every game up to this point Wild, on man. the road. That yeah. is brutal. It's awful. And they've done everything. They've went, they've went out West They've went, obviously, they're down here uh, far east in Florida, you know, southeast in Florida and Tampa. They had a trip in Canada where they kind of hit all the Canadian cities out west and then, you know, into Toronto and into Montreal and Ottawa. So they've they've done everything. It is it is absolutely brutal. And, you know, yesterday writing uh, for FTN Daily, some of the NHL picks, there's only two games on the slate. Daniel Kelly messaged me on Slack and he must have thought I had my numbers wrong, too, which is fair. He's like, wait. 12 straight games in a row on the road that doesn't seem right why and building the new arena there for them so it is it's puzzling i don't remember the last time i've seen this the islanders have done things like this before i mean in the bubble in the nhl playoffs they spent the two months they went on a heck of a run uh playing in canada there so but that wasn't traveling right you're in your hotel you're you know you got your meals there's not a lot of uh travel and and stuff like that to to and from the games but this has been this has been a heck of and last night it just looked like a team that was just completely gassed in the third period all right you mentioned the panthers as one of the teams that you're uh interested in betting tonight now um they and the avalanche are co-favorites to win the stanley cup what are your thoughts here looking at the futures market anything uh anything stand out to you well, Florida, we gave at 24 to one before the season started. And yeah, now favorites here today with Colorado. I'm going to continue to back them. I, I really do like this squad. Uh, I, I love everything that they have to offer, especially from a five on five standpoint. This is a team that's in the top five in generating offense in terms of shot attempts, shots, high danger chances, scoring chances. I really like the addition of Sam Bennett last year. Sam Bennett was a guy, a former first round pick, who really didn't get a lot of play in Calgary. Things didn't work out. He was a healthy scratch. He was playing in the bottom six. He hardly got any power play time. He's basically playing 
13 minutes per game. And then the Panthers just go out and give him 18, 19 minutes per game. He has 12 goals and 28 points in 26 games with the Panthers, dating back to last season and into the playoffs and in here this season. I just think they have four lines that can really come at you in waves. I like some of the experience that they have. The guys that have won Stanley Cups and Patrick Hornquist, who have played in top six roles on the power play. He's in the bottom six. They got great defense. I mean, they got guys that are on the rise, Mackenzie Weger and one guy in Aaron Ekblad, who I think is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And they're just loaded on offense. I still think that there's pretty good value. Colorado's a trap. Colorado's been a trap for a couple of years. This is a team who hasn't gotten past the second round in, in quite some time. I mean, they have great regular seasons. They had one of the best regular seasons of all time last season, but they played in a, in a weak division. They battled through some injuries here, but... I think that Vegas is the better team. I still think there's some value on Vegas here. What do I got them at? Plus 950. I think that's okay. Uh, last year, I had Vegas and Tampa in the finals. We had Vegas go to the third round. Uh, they've been to at least the third round in three of their four years. It's been an unbelievable run and really rare for an expansion team to have this sort of success right off the hop. But they've been to the finals. They were there in the first year. I like them again to go back. Florida and Tampa... Uh, Florida, or sorry, Tampa and Vegas was my two last year, but I'm switching Tampa and I'm going to Florida and Vegas this year. But some long shots, I mean, Carolina at 14 to one, a really good structured team at five and five. The special teams is really strong. They got a goalie this year that I believe in. That's been their Achilles heel over the past couple seasons. I'd never was into Peter Morazic and other guys that they've just kind of put in there when Morazic suffered injuries. Frederick Anderson is a really strong goaltender, and he's playing really good hockey for them so far. 14 to 1 is great. And then the Islanders, we just talked about them, right? But at 25 to 1, this is a team that has gone to the third round in each of the past two seasons, and they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions in each of those seasons in Tampa Bay. They were one goal away last season, and I thought they outplayed Tampa Bay. They're strong in net. They're strong offensively. Uh, they're a really strong defensive team. It's not showing right now in some of the numbers, but maybe we can just talk about, maybe give them a couple of passes for the start that they've had on the road. I think once they get back home, you're right. You're dead on. One of the better home teams in the league over the past few years. They're going to start to get right on offense. They got two really good goaltenders. So at 25 to one for a team that's been in the third round each of the past two seasons, I think that's terrific value. But I'm not coming off the Panthers. Uh, I really like what they have to offer. All right, right there. You mentioned uh, the Golden Knights. They are playing tonight. They are home dogs. Home dogs were just the 10th time in team history. Historically, they are 8-1 and one in this spot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a small sample, but it is a good team at home as an underdog. It, it feels like a spot you might want to back. Do you have thoughts on what we see tonight? Yeah, I, I love the Vegas team as well. I, I'm not going to back them. I think it is a good spot, you know, at home, plus money. I've been to, to T-Mobile before. It is, uh, it's electric. I, I encourage everybody, even if you're not like a, a big hockey fan, you are going to have an amazing time at Vegas. Dude, this seat shake, like the 10 minutes, like they have like this crazy sound system and you're just shaking in your seat. It's not a bad shake. You're just like, you're in the, you're in the, the groove and you're feeling the moment and they put on a heck of a show there but this is just a depleted team it's not the same vegas team they're missing a lot of pieces right now and it's usually it's pretty rare to see some of these numbers because last year they were inside the top three in just eliminating chances and so far this season this is a team that's inside the top five in shot attempts against second most shots allowed the most scoring chances allowed and the most high danger chances allowed at five and five per 60 minutes those are some red flags now they got mark stone back in their lineup who's one of the best defensive forwards in the game so 
he's going to help them defensively, but they're still without William Carlson, who's a great two-way forward. Max Pacioretty, who's a sniper on that squad. And Robin Leonard's not playing great hockey. I talked earlier about how I like Carolina, and it's the complete opposite. This is a team that's second in the NHL at 5-5 five and five in shot attempts. They're generating the third most scoring chances and the most high-danger chances. So you, you have a team tonight in Vegas that's allowing the most high-danger chances at even strength, and a team in Carolina who's generating the most. I usually always back this Hurricanes team, so I think the fact that you're getting them at minus 129, and you got minus 120 this morning when we were doing the Dangle Bet Selly show with Eric Young, I think you're starting to see some money come in. But I still I want to back Carolina here. I like Vegas. I think there's some value long-term as they get some healthy bodies back, and Jack Eichel is one of those guys that they acquired, which they'll get in a couple months. But I'm going to back Carolina here tonight. All right. Uh, you mentioned the Kraken earlier. I mean, they're, they're a bad team. There's, there's just, yeah. there's no way around it. Uh, I know nothing about hockey. Even I know that they are a bad team. Uh, if you had bet against them, you would be 11 and four on a money line with a 41% return on investment. That's pretty good. They're playing yeah. tonight. Any thoughts on what to do with this game? So for the Kraken, yeah, I think, you know, if you bet Arizona, <laughs> you would have really got paid out. Their only win came against the Kraken. You know, honestly, looking at this team, I it's just the offense and the goaltending. I, I, I'll bring up five and five numbers quite a bit, but I think this is a... We're, we're into week six here, so I think it's a pretty decent sample size. And this team could get a little bit better now that Yanni Gord is back in the lineup. But overall, Friedman, and it's pretty surprising to look at because they have allowed the second most goals at 5-5 five and five per 60, 3.38. But they have allowed the fewest shot attempts, the fewest shots, the fewest scoring chances, and the fewest high-danger chances. You got their goalie, Philip Grubauer, who was a Vesna nominee last season playing with a really good Colorado Avalanche team who didn't really give up a whole lot, and that was part of why he had a career season. But he has an 881 save percentage at 5-on-5, which is dead last among goalies who have played at least 200 minutes. It ranks 46th. So, yes, they're not great offensively, and they won't be. Jordan Eberle is a streaky scorer who's scoring some goals. I like Yanni Gord, but other than that, they don't really have a lot of offense. They they picked – this is different. Vegas, I think teams learned their lesson with the expansion draft a few years ago. Vegas got handed gifts. Like, oh, take this guy, and we'll give you this guy. Take this guy's contract, and we'll give you that guy. And they got some really good players. Teams didn't didn't – you know, they didn't fall for that again this year. The Kraken got average players. They got a bunch of third and fourth liners. They got some guys who got chips on their shoulder because they weren't protected by their former teams, but they still don't have a lot to offer offensively. I think the way to attack Kraken games moving forward is just to hammer unders. I think they'll get right eventually on, uh, I think Philip Grubauer will get right eventually. I think he's a great buy low candidate in season long leagues. He's a good goalie, uh, but they just haven't had the puck luck uh, defensively, but they just can't score. So that's why I feel like the unders are the play uh, most times. And, you know, if they're ever at home and they're home dogs, I think you can take shots on them. Uh, but for the most part, this is a team that I, I bet against and I just bet unders because they just don't generate anything offensively. <laughs> I love how you started out by saying, oh, it's it's offense and goaltending. And it's like, what else is there in hockey? I know, yeah. <laughs> well, they don't give up a whole like lot. They, they kind of, it is. It really is. They're kind of tight-knit, though. Like, it's like they, they're a good checking team. They don't give up a lot of high-quality chances. They shouldn't be giving up this amount of goals. It just shouldn't because they're not giving up that many high-danger chances. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is goals and goaltending. That's kind of the name of the game. All right, uh, a couple more questions here. In my uh, sure. my nominal amount of research, uh, I was looking. So normally, uh, favorites. So on on a normal season, things are kind of split. Where you know the vig is 
evenly distributed. If you're betting just underdogs, if you're betting just favorites, you would lose roughly the same amount of money. This year, the edge has gone to favorites where if you bet favorites, you would be staying afloat. You wouldn't be winning any money, but you wouldn't be losing any money. If you were betting underdogs, you would be paying literally 100% of the VIG. Uh, do you have any thoughts on why it is that we have seen favorites not like overperform massively, like as in you're making money betting on favorites, but if you were just to blindly bet this, you would you would be alive if you were betting favorites. Why is it that favorites have done well this year? I think it may have to do with the the schedule because last year everyone was just playing everybody like it was the divisions they didn't play outside the divisions just with COVID and everything that had happened in the NHL it was a it was a condensed schedule and you had a, an all Canadian division and then you just had you know some average teams getting beat up on by like Colorado and Vegas would just take advantage of some poor teams. And now other teams I think are playing. There's, there's more travel this season that could have something to do with it as well. Those road teams like the Islanders playing all these games on the road, they're in tougher spots. Uh, there's more back to backs with more travel and just different teams playing each other. So there have been some edges um, so far this season, certainly with some dogs, but for the most part, yeah, I've noticed it as well is some of these teams at home uh, teams that, you know, like the, like the Florida Panthers, I mean, this was a team I think I think books were sleeping on them. Like I mentioned, 24 to 1 to start the season and now cup favorites. They had teams at the start of the season like Colorado, like Vegas, like Tampa Bay, who we all know are really good teams and Vegas respects them. You know, they were home dogs for a bunch of those uh games. And I think, you know, people were just kind of sleeping on them and maybe books in general were just sleeping on how good this Florida team could be. Uh, so I, I think it honestly though, it just really comes down to the schedule being a little bit different this season and, and playing different teams, but it is a trend that, you know, certainly we'll have to keep an eye on like today. There are a lot of massive favorites in the NHL. I don't want to come on here and try to give you blues minus 300, uh, but there are a lot of massive favorites and I don't really see a lot of upsets with some of these teams. So I think, you know, right now in the NHL, there's a lot of teams that are not great. Uh, it's kind of top heavy right now. There's some mediocre teams that are trying to find their their footing, but there's a lot of teams that I think we could just continue to pick on, like the San Jose Sharks, like Arizona Coyotes, like the Montreal Canadiens. These teams are struggling, and I think they're going to continue to struggle. All right, uh, a couple a couple questions here. One more sort of uh, you know big picture question about the season, and then I am going to ask you about a player prop. See if you if you oh, nice. looked at at the props yet. If you have any that you're you're eyeing for tonight, but you. You talked about favorites there, and obviously there's correlation between you know a team being favored and a team being at home. It doesn't always work out that way, but you know favorites they tend to be at home, and we have seen teams on home ice outperform this year, uh, 132 to 99, and that would come out to a 1.8 percent return on investment, which that doesn't seem like much, but most years it's a negative number. Uh, most seasons, highly negative number. This year, it's the first positive number that we've seen for teams on home ice, uh, just in terms of kind of adjusting for the money line, if you had been betting this. Uh, you mentioned travel there is you know something that that's maybe going on, but any any thoughts you might have on why why it is that teams on home ice might be outperforming expectations? Yeah, that's that's interesting numbers that you have there. I mean, we could see it go the other way as the the season you know extends here. I, I just think you know there is an advantage, home ice advantage. It's not like the NBA. I mean, what's the deal in in the NBA? It's 
it's um i mean you got a little bit of crowd noise and, and things like that but i think there's a key advantage in the nhl with just the last change i mean that's something that we talked about here uh, you know at the top of the show with just attacking shot props to have that last change is is absolutely significant for a lot of coaches in the nhl they can they can play those matchups they can get the right guys on that they want to get on and i think that's it's just significant i do believe that i mean the nfl is is huge when it comes to home field but the nhl is is right there for me as as the crowd noise comes into play you're in your home arena you're not traveling you get to sleep in a little bit more you get the you know you're not in the hotel bed you get the the wife cooking meals for you or whatnot whatever it is like those little things that you don't really think about just you know those long home stands in the nhl are are, are very very key for certain teams but i think ultimately it does come down to just the matchups that teams play. I mean, we saw it last year in the playoffs at Tampa Bay. We saw a team in Toronto that went up against Montreal that didn't want to match up lines. They wanted to play their best players against the opposing team's best players, and it didn't work out for Toronto. They were bouncing the first round. You had Tampa Bay, who had already won a cup the previous year, had three unbelievable lines. They could have played whatever line they wanted to against Montreal, but at home, they had their best line away from Montreal's best checkers, and they were amazing at home. So I think that's part of it. Uh, it's a small part of it, but I think honestly, it's 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 kind of like the final line, right? Those those home matchups, especially when things get tight and in you know one goal games, just to have you know the matchups that you want for that coach at home, I think is key. Mm-hmm. All right, final question here: you uh, you are a prop king for NHL. Uh, looking at the bet tracker, we have at FTN bets one fifty five to one thirteen on the season that's a lot of props that you have been firing <laughs> out there props, yeah. on on just a, a six-week season that is a lot of props <laughs> uh, and on that record you're up 30.85 units phenomenal performance and it's not just props for you on the sides you're 15 uh you're up 15.35 units and on the total you're up 5.36 units uh, i mean you're you're crushing it you are absolutely crushing it You've talked about sides. Uh, you talked a little bit about totals, maybe looking at the crack under if you're uh, thinking about in- investing uh, in cracking games. Do you have a prop that you are interested in for tonight? Dude, there's 11 games. I got lots of props. <laughs> a lot of props, yeah. <laughs> I got lots of props. You know, it's funny. I mean, it's it's great. It's a great relationship that we have with some of our subs uh, in the FTN Discord channel. Like just yesterday, there's only two games, and it's like, Chris, you only have two props in there. Need a couple more. It's like, okay, we'll chuck a couple more in there and see how we do. Um, and yesterday went okay. Threw for four. There are a lot of shot props. I gave a few out on uh, Mean Streets and then Dangle Batselli. We really dove into every single game and we gave a couple props, not just shots, but goals as well. I will go back to Sam Bennett here at two and a half. It's just a guy who's been averaging four shots here, as I mentioned off the top of the show. I like Nick Suzuki as a guy who's hit clear two and a half shots at plus money, mind you. That one's been plus 130 all week. I don't know, man, if it is out just yet. I can look on the fly, but you know what I've noticed this season is books are a little bit slower this year to give out those shot props. I kind of just have a feel of what guys are going to be available and what their odds are going to be like from just doing this over time. So Suzuki, you can probably find it's not showing up in our bet tracker just now. Actually, it is. It is over at uh, William Hill is minus 105. So this is the first time I've seen him not be plus money. Uh, He's getting a lot of ice time in Montreal. He's been flirting with 19 minutes. He's kind of just carrying the team. They're shorthanded offensively, and he plays in all situations. He's on the PK. He's taking every key faceoff. He's on the power play. So two and a half shots. I do like him. I have a a few more. I give you five. So uh, Sam Bennett at two and a half, I like. 
Nick Suzuki at two and a half, I like. Pavel Buchnevich is at plus money. He's up on that top line for St. Louis, up against those Arizona Coyotes, which we've been picking on. Uh, this is a guy that's cleared in six of his past eight at plus money. Uh, Timo Meyer is another one. If your book doesn't offer him, Brent Burns. I like to attack defensemen, which is something that I've kind of just started doing last year. And you know why I like to do that? Is because these guys play a lot. Darnell Nurse and Brent Burns are both inside the top 10 in ice time. Aaron Ekblad is another one. These guys play in all situations. They basically play the entire power play. They kill penalties. So for me, why would I take a forward that's going to get 13 minutes as opposed to a defenseman that's going to get 26 minutes of ice time? So I think Darnell Nurse and Brent Burns, these guys are also in play. I think that was five. I gave you five uh, there, but th- man, there's, there's a lot over at FTMBets.com. All right. Fantastic. Everyone be sure to check that out. Mini. This was, this was awesome. Uh, I feel like I, I learned a lot. I mean, please, how much can I learn in, in 40 (laughs) minutes about a sport I know nothing about, but I, I feel like it's starting to sink in via osmosis. Uh, this was fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Everyone be sure to follow Chris Meany on Twitter at Chris Meany and check out the show that he does one more time. What's the name of that show? Dangle, bet, selly with Eric Young. We roll every Tuesday and Thursday, sometimes three times a week. Eric Young is a fantasy hockey psycho, man. I wake up at 6.30 in the morning. He's already made ads and picks, and he's talking to me about games. He watches all the games when he's not in the ring wrestling. So, yeah, dangle, bet, selly. Free shelf over at ftmbets.com, and you can get it on Apple or iTunes, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. I appreciate you, dude, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me hockey today. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, Manny. Have a good one. All right, producer Tom, sidekick on the controls, connoisseur of pasta, titan of tomato sauce, yada, yada, yada. Long-suffering Judds fan, of course. Can't I can't forget that one. That was great. I mean, I don't know how into hockey you are. Uh, you live in Vegas. I assume that you've gone to a, a, a game or two, but... Uh, I, yeah. I'm actually going tonight. Hey, that's that's awesome. This is This is a really great spot right now because the Knights have so many guys that are hurt. And so tickets have been significantly cheaper as of late, but the team is still like scrappy and putting it together. So they've still been winning games. And so like, like we got tickets for 70 bucks tonight. It's nice. great. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, great job getting the guest. Good job on the outline Monday night football. We, uh, I liked, I liked doing the, the Monday night show uh, yesterday. We, we should probably keep that up. Just do an entire show for Monday night football. Four and four and zero on the props that we uh, we covered yesterday. The ones that I said I was going to bet, of course, didn't get there on the side. Got slaughtered on the side. That's should, that's the way it goes. Should have known that was going to happen the instant all the ESPN analysts went four and zero to the Rams. That's just that that, that 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 was the writing on the wall. It was a heavily public game. Um, I mean, you, you got to take some of those losses. I broke even on the game. I had uh, I had I, I took two props with you, and I took the jimmy g and the cooper cup tv score oh well yeah 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 all right so out of the uh everything that many talked about was there anything that stood out to you i mean i like i i like his postseason prediction i i think the florida panthers are a really good looking team right now i think it is extremely hard to get to four consecutive stanley cup uh finals and i I, I mean, I'm definitely a little bit biased here, but I think that once the Golden Knights get healthy, once Jack Eichel joins the team, 
they're going to finally have that piece that they've been missing because the way Vegas has played throughout the course of its long, illustrious history, they don't have that one guy. They don't have that superstar, that Connor McDavid type that can just score the goals that need to be scored and win you games. They beat you by having so many strong but not quite superstar players that their depth is just really, really good, and their third and fourth line play like a second line for other teams, and they're just able to beat you with that onslaught of depth. One of the problems for them is that that means that their penalty, their power play has been just egregiously atrocious through several games this year. They they were actually had more goals shorthanded on opponents' power plays than they did on their own power plays, which is not a good sign. Yeah. Eichel is hopefully going to solve that problem. He is that guy who can be that superstar and score those goals for you when you need them on the power play and just in those clutch moments. I'm excited to see what this team is going to look like at the end of the year. Okay, well, as as you know, this is called the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. It feels very degenerate to just uh, isolate the worst team in the league and think, you know what, I'm going to make some money betting against this team. But yeah, th- just, that's that's what I want to do. Arizona Cardinal, I mean Arizona Coyotes, betting against them on the on the puck line. I love yep. that wrinkle of betting it on the puck line at minus one twenty in minus one twenty. That that's kind of the the standard uh, across the industry, wh- wherever it is that you're looking at it. Uh, specifically at DraftKings is is where I'm looking at it right now. I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean the the puck line is one of my favorite bets to make, especially because it. In, in in hockey, you have a really, really rare thing where in the last two minutes of the game, if you're down by a goal, you're going to most likely pull the goalie. And all of a sudden, it opens the door for that extra goal to just help you cover that puck line the other yeah. way. And that that is something really useful. Yeah. So that uh, that's something I'm going to look at. Uh, also, Meany mentioned a, a number of props. The Sam Bennett one I'm going to take a look at. Um, and I, I specifically remember... Uh, uh, betting on Burns and Timo, and I yep. like he mentioned the defensive lineman props. Uh, I feel like I said that wrong. Defensive lineman. That's I, I'm mixing it in football. What do we call these guys? Defenders. Yeah. What do we? Yeah. I remember specifically because they have they tend to have lower shot props, but guys like Burns actually shoot quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I will I will be taking a look at those props. I might not bet them just because it's it's out of my milieu, you know. But I might do a little bit of research and think about betting them. The Blues going against Arizona, I have a very strong feeling I'm going to be betting that one. Yeah, that's uh, t- take some chalk here. Arizona is abhorrently putrid. Yeah. Like, they, they might not even, they might get kicked out of Arizona soon. And I'm not actually kidding. A relocation isn't out of the cards for them. <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, I think that is, I think that's the show. Nice job. Who, uh, do we have a guest tomorrow on tomorrow's show? Not yet. We will be talking basketball. Uh, I'm just trying to lock down uh, one of our friends for NBA right now. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. That is the show. You can get all of the content at FTN Network on Friday. I published the Fantasy Football Breakdown on Thursday, the Best Bets article on Tuesday, the Fantasy Football Rankings live on the site right now. Uh, I update them on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday all throughout the week in the FTN Bets Tracker. I'm putting in my NFL size totals and player props. Also. Sometimes some NBA player props and who knows, maybe I'm going to get back into those NHL streets. So might, 
might put some NHL bets in there. And on Twitter, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app, and on FTN, you can get daily episodes of the Freedman Fantasy Football Show and the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. Always use the highly original promo code Freedman for 20% off at FTN. All right, that is the show. You can find me and Tommy V on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle and TV at work. Thanks for joining us and see you next episode. April is National Alcohol Awareness Month. The Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities State Opioid Response Team would like to remind Georgians that mixing alcohol and prescription opioids, even in small doses, can be a deadly combination. Learn more at opioidresponse.info. With unlimited free delivery, a Walmart Plus membership helps with whatever life throws your way. And the holidays throw a lot. Like when you make a gift list, check it twice, but still forget someone. Or when you plan a dinner for four, but 14 show up. Or when you turn away for two seconds and your dog eats the turkey. Bad boy, Dino! Walmart Plus saves the holidays with unlimited free delivery on fresh groceries and more at everyday low prices. Start your free trial membership at walmartplus.com. $35 order minimum. Restrictions apply. See membership details. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.